Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Recorded Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead. Meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. Music of loud. 
like I sling a little mud in my four-wheel drive. Trick it on into town. Shoot a little eight ball down at the pool hall. Drink a beer with Drink my beer. friend. Now don't judge me and I won't judge you. Cause we all get judged in the end. Some people care about what other people think. Worry about what they say. All right, let's try that again. Good afternoon. I just went through this without the buttons pushed, but this is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It is November 2nd, 2015. It's Monday. It's about seven minutes afternoon Pacific time. If all that's true where you're at, that means we're live and you can participate in the show. 800-932-1980 is the call-in. TheAmericanVoice.com or AmericanVoiceRadio.com is our website. You will find the chat room there. You can participate in there. You can also contact me directly on Yahoo Instant Messenger. My screen name is AVRN Talk. All right, so there's all that. And, uh,. Uh, we have uh, no real uh, well, housekeeping news, I suppose. So, let's just get to the uh, fun and merriment. I hope uh, you all manage to get your clocks set back an hour. Because if you didn't, well, you probably were wondering, hey, what, what no show? What What's the deal with that? Well... Then you missed it, but it is uh, about eight and a half minutes after noon, so that is the correct time. 
And amazingly, it seems that all my computers actually have the right time. My XP computers all decided to go back an hour last week. (laughs) So now everything is caught up with them. All right, let's get to some things and stuff. I am confused as to which uh, story to read first, so I'll just pick one and we'll do that. How about this Halloween news dump? From the U.S. State Department, 100 million, 100 million more dollars announced for Syrian rebels. This is after 500 million recently spent to train only four or five militants. Where do you think this money's going, folks? Who do you think is getting it? Who's doing the training? Huh? It's not the U.S. military, because the U.S. military is not getting $500 million to train four or five people. Who could that be? Could it be a company like Blackwater, who changed their name three times, and now who knows what they're called? I say they're called ISIS. Yep. The United States has ramped up its support for Syria's opposition with a pledge for nearly $100 million in fresh aid on Saturday. Wow. Uh, let's see what else. The American promise of cash, which it says brings to way over $500 million, the amount it has pledged to opposition since 2012 came a day after the U.S. announced it was intensifying its fight against the Islamic State, you know, ISIS. But they're supporting ISIS. Folks, the U.S. media is buffaloing you, man. Listen, ISIS is an arm of the United States government. Okay, it is a private army they are using to promote their agenda without using the United States military, which is under the, like, like they should worry about it. But, you know, Congress got something to say about the U.S. military. They got nothing to say about Obama's private little army he's running over there called ISIS, especially seen as he goes, oh, well, no, they're the bad guys. We're really trying to stop them really bad. They've been trying to stop them for, what, three, four years now? No success. ISIS just keeps getting bigger and rolling through the Middle East more and more as we fight them harder and harder. Gee, maybe we ought to give up because we're a bunch of losers. We can't even defeat a little ragtag army, ISIS. Five years, we haven't had any victories against this group. Hey, the Russians come in and they they plow them into the ground. How does that happen? Oh, oh. I know, because they actually went after them. Look, you keep getting these stories from the mainstream media saying, U.S. fighting ISIS. They're not fighting ISIS. Then you dig a little deeper and you find out that, oh, wait, the United States has been dropping weapons to ISIS. Let's see, we drop weapons right in the middle of ISIS-controlled territory and then go, oops, well, gee golly whiz. ISIS intercepted a weapons drop. How unfortunate. Yeah, sure. 
you know what, you drop weapons into my yard and I get them, that's not, oops, that's like, hey man, thanks for the delivery, and they've done it over and over and over again. But they just keep telling you the same narrative, and you morons out there that watch Fox News and CNN, you just keep sucking it up. I, it's unbelievable. It really is. Now, here's something here for home. Yeah, this is this is great. Meanwhile, you know, while they're overturning governments around the world, and that's really what it's about, folks. It's about regime change. This has not been... You know what? The United States has gone through the Middle East under this guise of, oh, there's all these militant groups, oh, all these terrible uh, ISIS and Al-Qaeda, and oh, my goodness, they've destroyed Libya, oh, my goodness, they've overturned Egypt, oh, my gosh, they've done, uh, you know, on and on it goes, folks, every country, you know, in there. It's not militant groups, it's the United States government. They are overturning governments they are regime changing around the world they are trying to transform the middle east into what they want in the middle east and what they want is somebody like kuwait and saudi arabia prostitutes that will do anything for money they don't care about the islamic faith what are you kidding me the Saudi Arabians are some of the most decadent pieces of garbage on the planet, and the same with the Kuwaitis. They're just prostitutes of the United States government and the Western banking situation. They don't care about Islam. You know what? If they did care about Islam, they couldn't possibly be in the banking system of the West, but they are. Oh, we got to wash our feet five times a day and, you know, crank that terrible crap out of our speakers five times a day. Oh, yeah, okay, the Quran says so. Well, that's nice, except the Quran also says, uh, guess what, you can't have any interest in your banking. Oh, but that's okay. Hey, you know what, if that's okay, too, shut the music off and get your feet out of my sink. Now, the Russians, you know, their agenda is clear. We don't want regime change in Syria. We're putting our foot down here. We know what you've done across the, you know, the Middle East, and you're not going to do it in Syria. We're going to stop you. This isn't the Russians fighting ISIS. This is the Russians stopping the United States government from overturning yet another legitimate government and instilling their own puppet dictator that's what's going on and oh okay well gee how can i say such a bad thing about such a wonderful government the united states government the freest on the earth yes sure it is yeah guess what documents pried out of the doj's hands you know they the doj they don't want to they didn't want to give this up but hey for you you know that's the thing now, we've reported on the Stingray devices. You know, the ones where they can basically set these things up to pretend to be a cell tower. Well, they said that, well, you know, this is just recording numbers of who you call. Oh, really? Well, 
people have had suspicions, and now they've got the documentation to prove their suspicions were correct. Newly released documents confirm long-held suspicions that the controversial devices are also capable of recording numbers for mobile phones' incoming and outgoing calls, as well as intercepting the content of voice and text communications. The documents also discuss the possibility of flashing a phone's firmware so that you can intercept conversations using a suspect's cell phone as a bug. The information appears in a 2008 guideline prepared by the Justice Department to advise law enforcement agents on when and how the equipment can be legally used. Wow. Oh, let's see. So there you have it, folks. It's even worse than you thought. You know, everybody was upset about these Stingray devices in the first place. But now, gee, their capabilities are a lot more than what was first thought. And they don't go get warrants. They just use them. Well, but hey, you should all be cheering. All you Republican war hawks that like watching Fox News. Rah, 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 rah. I think you ought to suit up. I really do. I think you ought to get your boots and your Alice pack and your rifle. And I think you should be shipped off to Afghanistan or Syria even. Because you're such a bunch of war hawks. You go war, go war. Yeah, okay, well you ought to go to war. But hey, guess what? The Pentagon just won another small skirmish in its long war with who? Social Security and Medicare. That's right. That's right. Because you know what? It's more important than we be killing people all around the world than taking care of our own people that we promised to. I'm not for, you know, look, I think Social Security and Medicare is basically socialism. And I'm generally not for that. But if we're going to make a choice between, well, you can either take care of your old and sick... Or you can run around the world killing people, innocent people, women and children, civilians, just so you can destroy a country, make it so miserable that the people there scream for a new government. And then, ooh, you can come running in on your white horse and provide them a new government. And that's exactly what the United States does. See, if those are the choices, then I say, take care of our old and sick. Last January, President Obama submitted fiscal year 2006 budget to Congress, and he proposed to break the spending limits on both defense and domestic problems. These limits are set by the long-term sequester provisions of the Budget Control Act of 2011, which, for better or worse, is the law of the land, and Obama was asking Congress to change the law. Mr. Obama wanted to finance his ramped-up spending proposals by increasing taxes. Of course, he knew that the Republican-controlled Congress trusted for defense increases but hated domestic spending, particularly entitlements. You know, and this is something we've really got to look at the Republicans and say, wait a minute, man. What do you mean you hate domestic spending? What the hell is wrong with you? 
We've got bridges falling into rivers, okay? Our infrastructure is in trouble. You know, we have a real problem with Social Security. And, and these, these clowns, they just want to run around and spend trillions and trillions of dollars just blowing stuff up, shoveling money to their stupid defense contractors who should all go to prison, folks. And we're going to get to a story here in just a second, as soon as I can find it, because I've reported on this many times, because it's just, it's like a thorn in my side, because I realize how important, how necessary air superiority is, all right? It is very, very important. Uh, In other words, let's put it this way. If you don't have air superiority, well, your army is toast. Yeah. Why? I don't care how good of an army it is. Guys on the ground cannot defend against jet fighters in the air. I mean, they'll just rain fire down on you continuously, and you will die eventually. You certainly won't be an effective fighting force after that. Air superiority is what has given the United States its distinct advantage around the world for all these years. The F-15, the F-16 were air superiority combat fighters, and they were superior. Well, those days are over, folks. Yeah, those days are over. The F-35, what a failure. What an embarrassment. What a robbery. I mean, really, it's just robbery. It doesn't work, okay? Here's the, there's the bad thing. All right, it doesn't work. Hmm. It has all kinds of problems with it, folks. And it's no wonder. Do you know how they built this thing? You know, uh, you would think, right? You would think that the United States military would say, well, we have to buy any critical systems, from American companies made in America, just as a national defense, you know, situation. It has nothing to do with loyalty or economics. It just has to do with, well, look, if we get in a war with somebody, uh, we want to make sure that we're making our own stuff here because, hey, you know, one of these companies can be fr- one of these countries that one of these companies is in can be friends with you today and at war with you tomorrow and if you're having them make critical systems for your war fighting capabilities and you end up in a war with them what do you think they're going to do well they're going to cut off any supply to you and then what's going to happen to you see and the way the F35 is built different components of this airplane are made in different ally nations. I mean, if you can consider China and South Korea and Taiwan allied nations, I'm not so sure that's a good idea, but a lot of the electronics come from those places. And a lot of the other stuff is made in France, 
England? Oh, yeah, and then they ship it all, and, uh, and then they put it together, and oh, my, it doesn't work. I wonder why. Now, <laughs> the next thing here is the, the helmet, okay? Yeah, the helmet. You know, that, that helmet that you all saw Top Gun, right? The helmet they had on, and uh, there you go, and they look cool, and they got the, you know, the the black visor that comes down over. It looks kind of like a space suit almost, right? Well, uh, let's see here. I'm trying to get to this story here because it's... Uh, I, I want to get the number right. I think I remember it in my uh, <laughs> in my head, but I'm not sure. Uh, but let's see. Oh, man, there's all these two. Might not be there. Could have been on uh, over here. Well, the helmet is unbelievably expensive, okay? Unbelievably expensive. It's it's an embarrassment. It's like a hundred million dollars for a helmet per helmet, and they need like twenty five hundred of them. Uh, it's it, it's <laughs> you remember the days of the six hundred dollar toilet seat, right? Well, apparently they're doing it again, but they're defending, hey, this is a really good helmet, okay? This is really cool. It's a really cool helmet. Yeah, really cool helmet, uh, and it you can actually see behind you through the helmet. You know, kind of like one of these motorhomes that has a camera in the back, and you can look, in, yeah, yeah, kind of like that. Gee, $100 million? Uh, wow. I, I don't know about that. that. See, this is seems like a waste of money. Seems like there must be some corruption somewhere. You think? But no, it's all good, man. And, uh, you know, Obama has more than doubled the debt. Do you know that he, he has more than doubled the national debt? To me, I don't know. You know, the debt is so far out of control now, folks, really. You know, this is why, you wonder why, well, why don't anybody talk about it? Well, they don't talk about it because it doesn't matter. They know they can't ever pay it. They know they're not going to pay it because they can't pay it. So they just keep rolling along because they don't have any choice, okay? What are they going to do? Tell everybody tomorrow, well, hey, you know what, everybody? We just figured out we're we're bankrupt. Yeah, we're $200 trillion in debt, and uh, there's no way we're ever going to be able to pay it. So, uh, you know, here before too long, the interest payments are going to, you know, they're going to be more than we can come up with. And, uh, you know, so before that happens, we're just calling it quits. No, they're not going to do that. They're just going to keep kicking the can down the road. And this is why, I'm telling you, this is why this immigration thing is going on all around the world. It isn't just to destroy our civilization, although that, I believe, is part of their deal. Folks, they need these people. Because if you understand the economic system, you have to understand, you know, we, we, we say, I've said it myself, and a lot of people say it, but it's not accurate. Well, yeah, the Fed just spins money out of thin air. 
Well, they don't spin money out of thin air. It seems as though they do, but you know what? They don't spin money out of thin air. You know where they spin money out of? They spin money out of your signatures. That's where they spin money out of. Every time you sign a financial instrument, you create commercial paper, which they consider an asset. Then they fractionalize it and go out and lend 10 times more than it's worth. And they do this over and over and over and over again. Do you see where the money, the wealth gets spun out of? It gets spun out of you. Well, what's the problem? Well, America has been spinning out what, and what is put on them. What is put on Americans as debt. Oh, yeah, they want that blood money out of you. But they take that debt as an asset. Well, what happened? Americans, we read the stories, Americans got so far in debt that what did they start doing? They stopped getting in debt more because they couldn't. Couldn't get any more credit cards, didn't have any more limit. Banks cut your limit down. Hey, you're stuck. You can't get in any more debt. You can't help them spin any more money out of thin air. So what do they got to do? They got to find some more people. They got to find some more bodies. Immigration. That's right. Immigration. New bodies. In Europe and the United States, you think it's an accident that illegal immigration invasions of countries, Western countries, are going on wholesale all around the world? Look, if it was just the United States and Mexico, we could say this is an isolated situation because of wealth disparity or whatever, okay? But it's not just going on here. It's going on everywhere. It's going on all through Europe. It's going on in England. It's going on in Scandinavia. Folks, well, well, how come it's not going on? How come the Muslims that are leaving these so-called war-torn areas, and ooh, whose war tore them up? The United States. Why aren't they going to Saudi Arabia to go live with their fellow Muslims? They got lots of money in Saudi Arabia. They could take care of them. How come they're not going there? How come they're not going to Kuwait? More friendly Muslims where everybody lives by Sharia law and you can go there. Why not Iran? I mean, hey, after the United States military blows your country to smithereens, you probably got a little distaste in your mouth for the United States. Why not go to Iran where they don't like the United States either? But they don't. They go to Europe where nobody wants them. Why? Because that's where they get credit cards. That's right. That's where you sign up for welfare. That's where you sign up for all these things. Well, all those things is commercial paper. That's why they're doing it. They need more bodies to spin more debt. They've run out of people. That's one of the reasons. Don't get me wrong. I believe they are deliberately. You know, trying to destroy civilization. But, uh, you know, hey, they like to multitask. And they are, I believe, anyway. We're going to take a break. We'll be back in just a bit.
come to town. So we're coming in Omaha. Trying to stay. Heaven's the law. Cops are supposed to be here. So they're done. Drew me and Jeff having too much fun. Too much fun. That's news to me. Too much fun. I just can't beat that. a whole lot of things i never done. I ain't never had too much fun.
316-619-4886. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. Ancient prophetic texts warn us that in the last days there will be wars and rumors of war, famines, pestilence, earthquakes in many places, and troublesome times, men fainting from fear from what is coming upon the earth. Even though these words were penned almost 2,000 years ago, we can readily see that this dire warning is applicable in the days in which we are living in now. Days of Chaos, a new book by L.A. Marzulli, exposes what is happening in the Middle East, the Fukushima disaster, the mysterious animal and fish die-off, the rise of the 8.0 and greater earth the coming one world government, the collapse of the U.S. dollar, UFO activity, and so much more. Days of Chaos has the information you need in these troublesome times. Don't be afraid of these events. Come to an understanding of why they are happening as they were prophesied long ago. These are the Days of Chaos. Go to www.lamarzuli.net. www.lamarzuli.net. These are the Days of Chaos.
All right, we're back. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It is still Monday, November 2nd, 2015. It's about... Oh, about 12.43 out here on the Pacific Time Coast. If that's all true where you're at, we are, in fact, live. 800-932-1980 if you want to call in. TheAmericanVoice.com or AmericanVoiceRadio.com. You'll see the chat link if you want to go into the chat room and participate that way or just, you know, socialize with the other folks in there. Or you can contact me directly through Yahoo Instant Messenger. My screen name is AVRN Talk. All right, there it is. And okay, let's get back and uh, I'll make a correction. I think I said, uh, you know, uh, that it was like $100 million. It wasn't. Uh, the uh, helmet, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's much better than that. The helmet. A helmet, okay. Now, let's get this right. This is a helmet. And granted, it's for a fighter aircraft, but, you know, I mean, this is the same kind of technology, folks, you know, that you buy down at Best Buy when you buy one of these smartphones. Or or the, uh, what was that thing? Apple glasses. Right? When you buy those things, this is the same technology. That's all. Every helmet costs $400,000. Per helmet. Wow. That's a lot of money per helmet. And yes, they're going to need 2,500 of them. 2,400 of them. I see. Here's where I got the billion. Uh, not 100 billion, but to get that many helmets for all the guys, it's going to be a billion dollars. A billion dollars in helmets. For an airplane, it doesn't even work. <laughs> Yeah, let's get helmets. Yes for it. My gosh, that, you know. This is like a 40-year-old running out and buying a prom dress. It's like, come on, man. You know, what are you going to use that for? Prom's over. Airplane don't work. What's the deal here? Come on. And folks, this airplane, even if. And I mean if. This is a huge if. It's a humongous if. It's probably not going to happen. But if they could actually fix that pile of junk to make it work, we still have the problem that it's made all over the world. If there's any disruption in transport, let's say our good buddies in Taiwan or China or South Korea or England, let's say our good buddies in France, oh, let's say they want to send us the parts, but let's just say, oh, I don't know, there's a naval blockade. Let's say because it's a piece of junk, and it's the most expensive piece of military equipment ever made, well, that's not true, because if you take the aircraft carriers and stuff like that, it's the most expensive airplane ever made. We're not going to have that many of them. The Russians have lots of advanced fighter planes. This idea you people have gotten from watching Fox News, and, and why I say Fox News rather than CNN, I mean, look, CNN is 
MSNBC, CNBC are clearly just Democrat propaganda outlets, okay? But Fox News, supposedly, and really, they're socialistic too, but they they cater to you Nazis out there that want to attack everybody and spend every dime we have on weapons, 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 we gotta have a bigger military so we can kill more people! We have to be able to pro- Project power everywhere we are. Uh, we got to go everywhere. Project power. Lots of power. The United States. I'm telling you, folks. You know, we're sitting here. And we gripe about the UN. We gripe about socialism. But our federal government is running around the world. Creating the new world order. Through force. They are destroying countries that aren't going along, well, with basically the banking system, because these countries recognize that the banking system is what controls foreign and domestic policy in all the countries that associate with it. They understand that, that when you deal with these centralized banks of the West, you give up your national sovereignty to them. They understand this, and they're not willing to do it. So the United States is willing to come in and turn them into rubble until they have no choice. They'll kill everybody till they find the person that'll stand up and say, Hey, I'll lead the country. We'll be part of your bank. We'll be buddies. Okay, good. You're the new leader. Anyway, there's more. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, but there's more. Here's something. So, you know, we live in the home of the free, land of the brave, and we're allowed to travel wherever we want, right? Well, hey, guess what? Police State America claims taking a plane from one city to another city is now suspicious. That's right. (laughs) Yeah, given... Let's see, in U.S. versus Newland, all right? This is a court case. Every motorist is suspicious. Police consider backpacks suspicious. Given that nearly every stretch of interstate is considered a drug corridor, the fact that a stop occurred on any such route is almost meaningless. See United States versus Wisinluski, Wisinluski, uh, Utah. Let's see. Traveling on a drug corridor cannot reasonably support a suspicion that the traveler is carrying contraband. To hold so hold would give law enforcement officers reasonable suspicions that every vehicle on every major highway and every minor highway thoroughfares throughout the country was transporting drugs. That's out of the Tenth Circuit. Furthermore, because of courts of court's willingness to designate various cities and states as source regions for narcotics, it is likely that most major roads in the country could be considered drug corridors. Uh, this is out of uh, mm, Foreman. Uh, 
let's see, uh, 369 Federal uh, Third Third Circuit, I guess. And uh, let's see, Gregory J. concurring in part and dissenting in part, United States versus Beck, the Eighth Circuit. Uh, Citing cases recognizing uh, Interala, Colorado, Texas, Florida, Arizona, the entire West Coast, New Jersey, New York, Phoenix, Fort Lauderdale, Houston, Chicago, and Dallas as drug sources, cities, or states. State versus Quirk. Considering the substantial number of states and cities that have been designated as sources of drugs, a motorist in our highly mobile society would be hard-pressed not to travel either from, to, or through a drug source jurisdiction. Yeah. Chief Judge uh, Richard Arnold warned airports are becoming war zones. Airports are on the verge of becoming war zones where... Anyone is liable to be stopped, questions, and even searched merely on the basis of the on-the-spot exercise of discretion by police officers. You know, wait a minute. This on-the-spot discretion, see, police officers, as far as I know, were never given the discretion to violate somebody's rights. And if you're going to conduct a search of any kind, you've got to have a warrant. Well, at least... Back in the day, somewhere. The liberty of the citizen, in my view, is seriously threatened by this practice. The sanctity of private property, a precious human right, is endangered. It's hard to work up much sympathy for Weaver. He's getting what he deserves, in a sense. What is missing here, though, is an awareness that law enforcement is a broad concept. It includes enforcement of the Bill of Rights, as well as enforcement of criminal statutes. That's something we need to remember and you may even want to remind a police officer that you know what officer you are acting in a fiduciary capacity i am the beneficiary of the trust known as the constitution that you took an oath to uphold now i want you to enforce the trust in my in my favor yeah, you you know, you're charged to uphold the laws too, which you know, they have taken to mean the statutes, but you're also also there to enforce the Bill of Rights. Cases in which innocent travelers are stopped and impeded in their lawful activities don't come to court. They go on their way too busy to bring a lawsuit against the uh, officious agents who have detained them. If the Fourth Amendment is to be enforced, therefore, it must be by way of motions to suppress in cases like this. Well, folks, you know, that's the whole thing. Innocent travelers are stopped and impeded in their lawful activities. They don't go to court. See, but I suggest you should. Okay? I suggest you should. If this happens to you, sue them. Learn how to sue them. Don't waste your money on a lawyer. They're just gonna they're just going to rob you. Okay? Listen, lawyers don't work for you. I don't care who they are, what their title is, public defender or a, you know, a private defense attorney. They are all officers of the court and therefore their first loyalty is to the court. That's not you, partner. All right? Now, if you want to bring an attorney with you, I would say, no, uh, you're acting as my counsel, not my attorney. 
because I am entitled to counsel, and that's who you're going to be, which means you do what I say. You give me advice, and I'll decide if I like it or not, and that's how we'll proceed. And then all the little things that have been ruled that I can't do, like get certain things from the district attorney and all that stuff, you're going to go do it for me. That's right. They're not there to speak for you. They are there to counsel you so you can speak to the law intelligently. Uh, here's a headline that I'll get to later in the evening. GMO makers, their puppets in academia, and the New York Times. Yeah, that's right. Hey, how about this? You know Karzai, the old uh, president of uh, Afghanistan? guess he's not anymore. But uh, he says uh, here, and it's a long article, that the U.S. is not interested in winning the war on terror. Uh-oh. You mean to tell me one of our good allies is speaking out and saying, hey, the United States is duplicitous, and they have no intentions of ever winning the war on terror, because, dun, 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 Karzai says, they support the terrorists. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Now, here's something interesting. An ignored document reveals what's about to hit U.S. shores. You'll be floored. Now, there's a video involved, too, which is, you know, probably uh, very dramatic and all that. But the burden of the uninsured immigrant is huge. It's exploded the amount of work hospitals have to do. Uh, This is uh, Jeff Spade, vice president of the North Carolina Hospital Association. What could he know? He's just a racist. What do you mean? Come on. We don't have to look very far to see the effects mass immigration has had on our health care system. We only have to look to Germany. And a report put out in 2009 reveals that some shocking information about what's about to happen here in America. There's a, the video is called The Sinking Lifeguard Report on Uncontrolled Immigration and the U.S. Health Care System. It's kind of a... Not catchy uh, title, but hey. And how it proves we're about to embark on some major problems at our local hospitals. Furthermore, I look to Europe and specifically Germany where they have allowed tens of thousands of refugees in their, uh, in their borders and proved that massive devastation now impacting the country. Yep. So there you go. The globalists are implementing their plan, and it starts with immigration explosion and leads to depopulation. Because emergency rooms must treat patients regardless of their ability to pay, high rates of uninsured patients can spell... Now, listen. It is my understanding that hospitals have taken this to mean they have to... If you go into the emergency room, you must be treated. My understanding is that's not exactly what the law says. From what I, my reading of the law says, that if you are, if your life is in danger, if you have a life-threatening situation, they have to treat you regardless of your ability to pay. But I'm going to search that out later today because I'm not sure. Maybe they've changed it. 
I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe there's an executive order or something. Who knows? But that's how it always used to be that, look, yeah, sure, you can just walk into a, an emergency room and go, I've got a cold my nose is all stuffed up. Can you help me? Get the hell out of here. Unless you've got insurance, go see a real doctor. But if you come in with, uh, you know, oh, I have this laceration and I'm bleeding out over here, or I think I just had a heart attack, or you're unconscious, or something like that, well, sure, they'll treat you. And I think everybody should be treated under those circumstances. I really don't care who you are. You know, if your life threatened, you should be treated. But once you're stabilized, time to go. But this is not how the hospitals are implementing this. Got to wonder, are they part of the problem? I think they are. They're part of the problem. The administration of these hospitals is part of the problem. The doctors are sitting there with their thumb in their butt. They don't know what's going on. They're like, hey, this is killing us. We're not able to do it. Yeah, I wonder why. Anyway, we'll be back tonight. we got a full day coming up. Financial Survival's next. Stay tuned. And as always, thanks for listening. Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Since the beginning of the United States, Kings have sought it. Nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. Invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now.
afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Melody Cedarstrom, and you're listening to Financial Survival. I'm here with my co-host, Alfred Addis, to bring you our opinion and commentary on today's economic and political events for Monday, November 2nd, 2015. Good afternoon, Al. Hello, Melody. Well, it's good to know you set your clocks back. You made it. Well, actually, I had nothing to do with it. That was a that was a courtesy provided by Microsoft, and whoever <laughs> operates really is operating my computer. I know. <clears throat> we have certainly become lazy, have we not? They yeah, even, set our, we, they even set our clocks for us. I don't know why they even bother telling us that the time is changing. They just automatically change on it. the computer, and just, we just go along with it, whatever it is. I, you know. The computer says that it must be true. It must be true. Yep. Well, it is true for gold today. We're down seven bucks for gold at eleven thirty-five. Eleven thirty-five. Silver's down twelve cents, fifteen fifty-two. Had a nice recovery though. Silver did. We had a low of fifteen eighteen. Platinum was down seven at nine hundred and eighty-two, and palladium down big, almost four percent, twenty-six bucks at six hundred and fifty-three dollars. The USDX today, it was down most of the day. We're looking, I'm showing not a lot of change. 96.92, 96.92 on the dollar. Uh, crude oil today is down 0.48 at 46.11. And the paper markets today, I would expect them to be strong. And let's see if I am correct. Yes, I am. 165. To the upside on the Dow at 17,825. The NASDAQ was up 73 at 5127. The S&P was also up 24 at 21.05. Uh, let's see, Euro, just not much change, 110. Uh, Asian markets were down bigger than the European markets overnight. So that's it in a nutshell, Al. Well, I'll tell you what a judge told me one time. If the shell fits, wear it. Right, he was a speaker at one of our groups, and I said something, well, that's it, the nutshell, or I don't remember what I said, but I said, and the judge, he was he was the speaker. <laughs> he said, well, if the shell fits, wear it. And he had a big laugh out of that, and so did the audience, and I couldn't think of a single thing to say. No. no. So let's move on. I will say this though. What's that? The, you know, it's uh, the markets. The the paper markets have been on a tear for the last month. Oh, they have. Well, they've uh, almost recouped all their losses. Well, I understand. I think they're up something like fifteen hundred points. Mm-hmm. Dow is up fifteen hundred points in the last during the last month or so. Yep. Um, do you have any pet theory as to explain what's happening? They've been able to push everything under the rug. And I thought the big deal was going to be the the debt, the the discussions of the budget, the discussion of the debt ceiling, and we saw what happened to that. In the wee hours of the morning, everybody signs the agreement, pats themselves on the back, and uh, they were able to uh, get, or they think, that uh, they now have two years. So it's just like... They have two years before they have to deal with it in Congress. Yes. Yeah, they don't have two years but, necessarily of free sailing in terms of the debt. And no, whatever, I think any can. But they have two years before they have to face up to it again. Right, uh, and you know it's after all the elections, and uh, so 
and again, you know, all their, you know, everybody's beating their, you know, estimates and so forth, except for a few. And it's going into the holidays. I'm already seeing that you have, you know, everybody's looking forward to the Black Thursday or Friday or whatever it is, and and it's. Um, Hey, there, there's nothing uh, bad going on. So it's part of the illusion they've been able to create. Um, you know, we talked about, uh, you know, multinational corporations. You know, they go out, they borrow money, and they buy back their shares. You know, it makes their stock stronger. So Appears stronger. It makes their stock appear stronger. Well, for those uh, making the money on it, it is stronger. So, yeah. you know, certainly not the strength of the corporation, I get that, or even the management, although you have to say the management must be a little bit on the clever side in order to buy back their own shares. But um, so um, Everybody everything wanted. is against everything is against the truth that we hear and we talk about yep. because it's all measured just the stock market. You know, and you talked about we don't have a country anymore. We have an economy. I think we don't have an economy anymore. We have a stock market. You can make that analogy, you know, that metaphor, whatever. Um, And there's a certain amount of truth in it. We are led to believe we have that stock market. But, you know, one of the things about it is that most most of the people who were in the stock market coming into 2007, 2008, most of the ordinary people. They were burned so bad, they bailed, and they, aren't come, they have not yet come back. The stock market right now is mostly institutions, corporations, mm-hmm. government. All right? And they are maintaining an illusion to convince us that something good is happening for the people in government, something good is happening for the corporations and uh, whatever. But it's insofar as they're the ones that are keeping the books, it's like going to a casino in Las Vegas where the only betters are members of the casino. Um, They seem to be awfully successful. You know, they're winning a lot of their bets in their own casino, but you can't help but wonder if the casino's not rigged. They're not going to let you play in that. Well, I won't say they won't let you play in that casino, but it's not not a, a level playing field anymore. You get the computers are so predominant in the markets. <clears throat> it's very difficult for some individual to sit back and on his own make reliable, make reasonably reliable predictions about what's going on with individual stocks and so on and say, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invest in this one. I'm going to invest. Computers are moving things backwards, forwards, up and down. And for reasons that are not clearly even understood by the general public, um, the whole thing becomes prohibitive. And ordinary investor can't expect to do well enough to profit in the current stock markets. Some people will, but majority will not. They're just going to be outsmarted by the computers and the professionals and whatever rigging is going on. Influence is taking place. And he just can't, you can't keep up as an individual. And that being the case, we can begin to wonder whether the Dow Jones really is an indicator of what's going on in this economy. Is it really a reliable indicator as to whether the economy is running hot, cold, or someplace in between? I mean, 
the American people are not really in that market to a significant degree. It's a psychology, It keeps the public opinion and, and keeps all of them in their little happy place. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, unfortunately, a lot of those who do work, a lot of those who do have pension plans and retirement plans and 401s, they're the ones that will get hurt by all of this. Because I guarantee you, um, Mr. Obama will not be leaving office until those accounts are readdressed. I mean, what part of the... What program has he not messed up and changed? And there certainly will not allow those trillions of dollars sitting there to happily go to the people who own that money. And not when you're talking about Social Security. And now what's even interesting is it's actually, they're actually talking about that the, the, the Social Security is broke, that there's IOUs in there. And mm-hmm. so this is all conditioning of the people. It's all conditioning to get people over the the big hurdle that uh, they they're just now realizing that there's no money in there and you know maybe they won't be getting any more money in the future from this account but perhaps there will be a way to address it you know there's all these other plans out there that well you know what maybe the government can manage it better than the people and maybe we can do some sort of an annuity we're going to change it we're going we're here to help you oh yeah and, uh, always here to help you we're here to help you with your money, especially. And that is exactly you what is going money, to will, happen. How heavy is your wallet? Allow me to carry your wallet. Allow me to assist. That's what government is essentially doing. They are volunteering to help carry your wallet or maybe your checkbook, too. Maybe even your your uh, your safety deposit box. And, oh, you got an overseas account? Yeah, they definitely want to help carry that one. Um, so it is coming. And they will address it. They will change the laws. They will regulate it. And uh, people really won't, you know, well, it, it, it's, they've, they've have shocks. I mean, the, you know, the, the 2008 and 9, when people, when the Dow went to, down to uh, 6,000, people were shocked. And now they brought it back. And uh, they brought it back from the dead, basically. And now people will be very, you know, they start seeing that stock market go down. They're just being conditioned and they don't even know it. But anyway. Well, I agree. I agree. Uh, I got an article here <clears throat> from the Associated Press. <clears throat> Excuse me. Talking about this me- Russian metro jet that crashed in Egypt. And the headline is Metro Jet Exec says external impact caused Egyptian plane crash. Only an external impact could have caused a Russian plane to dive into the Egyptian desert, killing all 224 people on board, its Russian operator said Monday. Adding to the series of confusing statements from investigators that left unclear why the plane broke up in mid-flight. In Washington, James Clapper, the U.S. Director of National Intelligence, said that while there is no direct evidence of any terrorist involvement yet, it couldn't be excluded that the plane was brought down by Islamic State extremists in Sinai. In fact, the Islamic State, ISIS, ISIL, whatever name they go by, they have claimed responsibility for bringing this this jet uh, jet plane down, causing it to crash. 
whether they really did or they're just trying to claim credit uh, for something they had nothing to do with, that remains to be seen, but they have at least claimed credit for bringing a Russian jet down in the Sinai. And I look at that, and I, I don't know what's going to happen, and I don't know that we're going to find out. I mean, we'll be able to determine, they'll be able to tell whether this airplane was brought down by some sort of an explosive device or some missile or whatever. They'll be able to figure this out if they care to. They'll, they'll find shrapnel and debris and holes in the fuselage and whatever. They can figure it out if they have to. But who, if there was a missile, who fired it? All right. There's a question. ISIS takes credit for it. Did they really fire it? Is it a false flag operation? Who really did this? It'll be very difficult to figure this out. But if ISIS is truly responsible, you've got to ask yourself if ISIS has some sort of a death wish. Because the Russians have just stepped into Syria and bombed the poo out of a bunch of these people that are working with the Islamic State and set them back dramatically. And now they've knocked down a Russian jet carrying 214 people, 224 people. I think that will only make Russia that much more angry. Um, and they'll say, all right, USOBs, we're going to fix you now. We're going to fix you good. You've got 224 people in one of our, in one of our uh, transports. Guess what? You're going to lose 10 times that many Islamic State personnel on the ground. I don't know what Russia's going to do, but it just strikes me this was ill-advised. If ISIS did this, they claim to have done it. If they really did, this was very ill-advised in my opinion. They may be saying, look, we can show, we're going to show Russia we're not afraid of you. That may be their intent, but this is, you are poking a bear. You understand? Who would you have be very fast or a very good or very strong because you do not want to mess with the bear because the bear won't fool around. Who has the most to gain from initiating the um by saying that ISIS was the one who did it, by, for them taking claim. Who was the most to gain from that? Well, it may be some, some foolish member of ISIS thought, we can take credit for this. No, no that's not what I'm oh, saying. That's not what I'm I saying. Know. I know. There are a couple. There, there's alternatives. Who, who has the most to gain? Mm-hmm. When the U.S. have the most to gain? I don't see if that. ISIS, if, ISIS, if, 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 if ISIS... Uh, uh, claimed it, and like what you said, Russia would certainly respond that accordingly. Somebody's head is going to roll, and probably a couple dozen heads so are going to roll. Who would be the most to gain? It would be the U.S., wouldn't it? I don't know about that, because one of the things that's going to happen is this would galvanize, presumably, this is going to make Russia mad. Up until now, they've just been, you know, just they just got into this. But now it's personal. This is going to change, potentially change their enthusiasm for killing ISIS members. And quickly, their ability to kill those ISIS members has been an embarrassment to the United States government. All of a sudden, they're in there, and there's just a couple of weeks. They're making real headway while we're, oh, what to do, what to do. Obama can't make up his mind what color to paint the bombs, you know. We've got, can't be sending red bombs, not green bombs, blue bombs, maybe blue What color? He's diddling around and fussing at trivialities, and the Russians are just saying, we're going to kill these people. 
Now they're going to kill a lot of these people, and I'm guessing that would tend to embarrass the government of the United States even further. So who knows? It may be that this thing went down. It may be Saudi Arabia. Well, who said we can drop this thing, make ISIS take claim credit for it, and the Russians will kill more members of ISIS? Well, Frank, the producer, sent something over, and he said just last week, D.C. said to Russia that because of their attacks on ISIS, they will get terrorist attacks. Here it is. I can't say Russia's surprised by that necessarily, but just, you know, the flip side is (laughs) somebody better send... They had to send a message to ISIS that because of terrorist attacks on Russia, you're going to get bombed big time. All right. So who knows how it's all going to shape up? I don't know. Um, but it's an interesting story, in part because it's still a mystery. Who's re- what happened? Who is responsible? We'll find out. We'll get more information over the next days and weeks. Let's take a break for some commercial announcements. Melody and I will be back on Financial Survival in just a moment. Please stay tuned. condition and emergency rooms and medical doctors are not an option, you need our emergency heart attack kit. Five concentrated liquid formulas enter the system in 60 seconds to protect your heart muscle, strengthen heartbeat, increase circulation, relieve pain, and make breathing easier. When seconds count, you want all the help you can get with our emergency heart attack kit. Easy to use and portable in a one-pound compact kit for your purse, briefcase, or car. Call Apothecary Herbs now for your emergency heart attack kit, toll-free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3 wsthepowerherbscom Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, and Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. 
American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Hi, folks. I'm Alfred Ask here with Melody Cedarstrom on Financial Survival, brought to you by Discount Gold and Silver at 1-800-375-4188. What's next? Melody. Well, I want to remind the listeners we got a great little package going today, and the prices did fall back. I have an AU $5 Liberty Gold piece, an AU $5 Liberty Gold piece. It's a great little fractional piece uh, uh, for those of you who are looking to diversify into some smaller coins. And $25 face value, 90% quarters. This includes all your shipping costs for $700. 1-800-375-4188. And I will go over this once again. Al, remind me before the end of the program of uh, this special today. Make sure you visit our website at dgscoins.com, dgscoins.com, and make sure you sign up for our weekly newsletter. And you can listen to the program from the website and also the archives. Do you have any idea what the legal limit may be on the number of times you can say and in the same commercial? I don't know, Al. We're going to have to look into that. But let's go I'm ahead. Sure, and I don't know if there is a legal limit at this time, but I think they're working on it. Well, perhaps there's probably some legal limits on some other things too that well, I could probably. You know, I'm, not, that, I'm, not, uh, I'm not very much impressed by their legal limits. I was just curious. But uh, you know, oftentimes I hear things too that are said repeatedly. That uh, anyway, let's Frank, get to Frank, the producer. Is that well, what you're talking? Well, not hardly, but uh, anyway. What else could it possibly be? I wouldn't know, Al. Anyway, let's get to the emails today. We have one coming in about Russia. And I want to remind folks, too, that you can send us any questions at the website at questions at dgscoins.com, questions at dgscoins.com. Any questions for the program would be great. And, of course, you can always call in, too, if you have a question. And that call-in number is 1-800-932-1980. That's 1-800-932-1980. And uh, we don't we don't mention it very often, but we do like callers, and we do appreciate uh, those that do call. This is in uh, from a listener. He says, uh, note to Al, he says, Russia is not the Soviet Union. It is a second-rate power with an economy smaller than Italy's. Russia estimates are damage to ISIS are big on bragging and low on truth. ISIS is a tough force. A second-rate nation like Russia won't take it out, and the headway isn't much. Putin is Mussolini, version 2.0. And... Uh, we talked well, a little bit about this on the break, and you know. go ahead. Well, just <clears throat> I disagree that Putin is Mussolini uh, too. All right, Mussolini was a big braggart and the rest of that sort of thing. I get the impression. My impression of Putin is he's he's for real. It doesn't mean that he has unlimited power, but he does 
he is willing to exercise the power that he has. He's not just BSing his way through it. He's not just trying to create illusions. Um, that's, that's my reading of Putin. We'll watch and see. I mean, what happens to ISIS as a result of this, this apparent attack on the, on the metro jet in, uh, in, in Egypt? What happens to them will, to some degree, it'll be a measure of whether Putin is for real or not. It'll be a measure of just how strong are the Russian military. Um, can, we, can we yank their tail? Is it true that we can get away with poking the Russian bear? Um, I'm not convinced that's true. To call Russia a second-rate power, I don't think that's accurate either. I don't think that's I don't think that's a fair characterization. Um, I don't know the size of their economy per se, but I'm I'm sure they're in the top ten, the world's top ten. Plus, they have significant military capability. They have they have lots a considerable number of intercontinental ballistic missiles. They have a considerable number of nuclear weapons. Uh, they are not to be taken lightly. The Italians, I don't know, you know, I mean, whoever paid real attention to the, the Italians have not been a significant fighting force since, since the fall of the Roman Empire. They never did seem to recover to a significant degree. They're there, but... Well, he's just know. talking about the economy. I get that. Well, he's talking about the economy, but he's also comparing to Mussolini. Mussolini was leading a different kind of army. It wasn't the Roman gladiators. It wasn't the same kind of army and military that I assume Putin is leading and controlling, commanding. Um, so it's going to be interesting. In fact, everyone who gets, and when we talk about second-rate powers, you know, we're going to find out who really has enough money to keep playing this game in the Middle East. And it's not absolutely clear that the United States has enough money to keep playing this game in the Middle East. They may not have, you know, we have wasted so much in Iraq and Afghanistan. Do we have enough left for another go at ISIS? Or have we... Have we exhausted our resources? You know, we can build them back up. It doesn't mean that they're exhausted forever. But there, there are articles in the paper that indicate, you know, you'll see them on the Internet. How accurate they are remains to be seen. But they'll tell you that the military is short on morale. Uh, equipment is depreciated compared to what we would hope for ideally. We have to think in terms of fighting one major war where previously we used to think in terms of fighting two at the same time. Now we're thinking in terms of only fighting one, at the, you know, one major war and maybe a couple of skirmishes on the side. We are also being debilitated by the costs of invading country after country after country. The idea of playing global policemen. This is not a free lunch. It's not cause for celebration. It's, it's diminishing our military. It's costing us a lot of money. And I don't know how much good we're getting back for it. I'm sure some people would argue we're getting a lot. Even though we're not fighting in some countries, we have military stationed there. We wind up getting some sort of cooperation out of their governments. I don't know. Is the game worth the candle? And we're going to find, you know, these, these little events like 
Metrojet goes down in Egypt? All right, we're going to find out. What will Russia do? I'm guessing they're going to slap ISIS around with a great deal more enthusiasm than they have in the past. I'm seeing that as a possibility, but what if I'm wrong? Does that indicate Russia is a paper tiger? Uh, I'll believe it when I see it, but I won't believe it until then. So, blah, blah, blah. What do you think, Maldi? Well, I think it's real difficult in today's world to really weed through between what's propaganda and as we look for cer- as we look for truth. But George Soros, he's one of the elite, and particularly when you have a world that's going towards a new world order. It's not new anymore. It's a, to, to a world order, to this globalization connection. George Soros talked about um, how pushing Putin into a corner, he will save face and he will react uh, for his country, and the country will expect him to. Mm-hmm. So you, you can't underestimate um, Putin. And he might not, they might not be the power as they once were, but again, you, I'm not even sure I, when, when, the, when the email that comes in and the author says that Russia is not the former Soviet Union. Putin is, though. Well, well what I'm getting to, it's not necessarily a disability. You know, when you try to put all of those diverse nations together and juggle all those balls at the same time, you're so busy because with the diversity that you don't have time to focus. On the other hand, a relatively, a comparatively small nation with a certain amount of power and a great deal of focus, it might be far more effective than the amorphous, diverse former Soviet Union. Maybe they couldn't get it to move. It was too big, too many parts. They couldn't put them all together and get them to all work at the same time. But Russia, all by itself, you know, maybe it's maybe it's more dangerous in its own way. And part of the Kool-Aid that I wouldn't drink is we keep hearing how bad Russia is, and you know, to me, that's where a lot of the propaganda is that comes out of the U.S. and telling us what type of, you know. Russia is and their strength and you know they're that they're you know behind everything. I mean, we certainly have seen Russia put Obama in his place how many times? Two times, three times. And and certainly they're going to react with, you know, stories and propaganda and so forth, but um you know, you I don't think anybody's to... been successful at pushing Russia around in the last several years. And I and always stand to be corrected, but I don't think anybody's had any real success. Russia has its own agenda. It doesn't doesn't rule the world, but it's there like a you know it's there like a cast iron block of steel sitting in a particular location. Better not kick it because you're just going to break your toe. That's all that's going to happen um, unless you've got awfully powerful toes. You know, one of the other things about this though is that impressions of Putin and impressions of Russia, of, of the sort that I hold, I hold them, I think, they're, I think they're fairly strong. Maybe I'm mistaken. But nevertheless, the, those, those impressions are widespread. And Putin is to some degree caught between, if he's been bluffing, about how strong Russia is. He is now caught between the Russian reality and the Russian bluff. 
he's got to do something about this jet. If it turns out, if consensus is that the jet was knocked down by ISIS, he's got to do something. He's got to live up to the illusion. Regardless if it even is, and if he fails to live up to his illusion, it'll be revealed that he's much less. So he's, what I'm trying to illustrate is he has a certain reality. He also has, he may have a certain illusion. He wants to maintain that illusion. But can he? I mean, Barack Obama wants to maintain a certain illusion. The United States of America wants to maintain a certain illusion. But can we? A lot of people are being called to kind of put up or shut up. And not just in the arena, arena of war, but in the arena of economics. You get into what's happening with our dollar, what's happening with the uh, the interest rates set by the Fed. This, oh, maybe in December, oh, maybe in January, oh, maybe in March, and so on. We're getting to a point where somebody's going to have to put up or shut up. And the public is... I think the public is becoming increasingly aware of the lies and the illusions, increasingly skeptical, perhaps even contemptuous. What's the truth? Whatever it is, just tell us the truth where we can deal with the truth. Would somebody please just give us the truth? Then we can deal with it. It's the illusions that are driving us nuts. So, what's next, Melody? Do we have enough time? Yeah, we got four minutes left on the until uh, we go to break. Uh, Pennsylvania is having a little bit of a time with their four-month budget standoff. Mm-hmm. Associated Press says state-subsidized pre-kindergarten programs are shutting down. Domestic violence shelters are closing their doors. Pennsylvania school districts are begging for more time to pay their bills all because of a four-month budget stalemate that shows no signs of ending. County governments and local state uh, and local school boards waiting on billions of dollars in state aid are burning through loans and emptying reserves. Some social services or some social services organizations are shuttering programs and laying off hundreds of workers who care for the state's most vulnerable populations. There's more to the article, but that's enough. And my point is, we see a domino effect here. The state government is having a budget problem. All right? They can't get two sides to agree, and therefore nobody's doing anything. Money is not going out to the local the school and county and city governments, districts in the state. And there's a domino effect because the state government isn't generating the money or releasing the money needed to fund these other entities. These, enti- these other entities, these lower entities can't function. There's rising unemployment. There's less services for people that are vulnerable. This is just, to me, another illustration of what can't be paid won't be paid. It's another one of those leaves in the breeze. We use that analogy on a regular basis. How many other cities or states, like Illinois, for example, are in similar similar conditions of financial distress? How long before those dominoes also begin to work with the dominoes out of Pennsylvania and maybe California and I have no idea how many other states that are in financial stress? How many... Uh, before they collectively begin to weigh on the federal government and push the federal government toward a moment when they have to admit, gee, we can't pay all the bills. We're insolvent. We can pay some of them, but we can't pay them all. 
Technically, if they have to make that admission, they are bankrupt. Technically, I would argue they've been bankrupt throughout most of my life. If they weren't, why do they need to keep borrowing? Talked about this last week. The national debt is just prima facie evidence that the government is broke. The reason they borrow more money is they can't pay their bills unless they borrow money. That means, you know, you can't pay it out of tax revenue. You can't pay it out of savings. You have to borrow more money in order to pay your existing bills. What's that tell us? You're broke. You're broke. All right? This is the sort of thing that is evidence. It, we have problems. We all do. We have problems where all of a sudden one of the kids needs braces or we have some other emergency and we have to borrow money in order to get, get us through a difficult time. We go see the banker. Uh, we have to borrow money. It doesn't prove we're broke. We just have an emergency we have to deal with. We'll be able to pay this off. That's not what we're dealing with with the federal government right now. We have persistently increased the national debt Increased it and increased it dramatically since we went into a pure fiat currency back after 1971. They closed the gold window on foreign-held dollars. It had already been closed. Gold window closed. In this country, 33. Gold silver window closed by 1968. Since then, in the 40-odd years since then, we've gone deeper and deeper into debt, into debt, into debt. Barack Obama has allegedly doubled the national debt, or at least the national debt has, has nearly doubled while he's been in office. You don't have to need, you don't need a PhD in economics to understand this cannot work long term. You can't just keep going deeper and deeper and deeper into debt. Sooner or later, you're going to have to keep doing that, and sooner or later, you're going to have to admit, gee, we can't pay our bills. And when they finally make that admission, you have to repudiate some of your debt or you go to inflation, massive inflation, to get out from under it, to um, pay off your debt with cheaper dollars. But those are the government's two options. Increasingly, they either have to repudiate existing debt or cause massive inflation. So far, they've been unsuccessful at causing inflation. We're past the break time, Al. Well, we are. Mm -hmm. I'll be darned. What does that mean, Melody? Well, it means Frank gets to play the piano again. One of those Frank times. Frank is always eager to play the piano. All right, we'll be back in a moment on financial survival. The debt's too big to be paid, and sooner or later we're going to face that fact. When we do, there's going to be trouble. I'm Alfred Addis here with Melody Cedarstrom on financial survival. We'll be right back. Please stay tuned. Aspirin mistake. Aspirin was discovered by mistake during World War II and suppresses your immune system and prevents blood clotting. Don't expose your body to risk when you can use a natural inflammation and pain reliever called Extra Strength Pain Relief by Apothecary Herbs. Discover the power this formula has with Salicin to enter the system in 60 seconds to work hard and relieve pain for 12 hours. Whether it's arthritis, sports injury, or flu, you can relieve aches, pain, and swelling with our Extra Strength Pain Relief Formula. Call Apothecary Herbs now, toll-free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010. 
or order online at the three W's dot thepowerherbs.com. Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. Hi, folks. Alfred Addis, Melody Cedarstrom, Financial Survival. What's next, Melody? Oh, well, you want to talk a little bit about China, maybe, Let's perhaps? That. Let's do that. Jill Salente was interviewed just recently, and the uh, one of the, not a number of topics, and one of them that he spoke about was China. And uh, it, he'd actually um, he'd sent some, he'd sent out a report called entitled Broken China Global Meltdown. Now, according to Salente, China's debt level, uh, just as they were joining the World's Trade Organization in 2001, was about $2 trillion. Now it's almost $30 trillion. That's, that's a growth of almost $2 trillion per year. All right? China did the same thing the United States did, that Japan did, that Europe is doing quantitative easing and Ponzi schemes based on borrowed money, leverage, and speculation. Now, for me, it's a real surprise to learn that China's official debt of $30 trillion is even greater than the U.S. government's official debt of $18, $19 trillion now. For I have assumed, mistakenly, that China had some sort of budget surplus when what they really had was a trade surplus. We've heard all these stories about China buying gold, all right? It indicated that they had surplus money in their economy, at least to me. We've heard that China was running a trade imbalance that was positive for China and, and negative for the United States. Um, I assumed that China was coming out ahead on this. turns out China has actually run up a debt of $30 trillion in the last 15 years. That's not double the official U.S. debt, but it's still considerable, and it's surprising me. Um, I'd assume that while Japan, the United States, European Union were deeply indebted, China, with all its gold and positive trade balance, was the one major country in the world that was not indebted. Based on that assumption, I made a second assumption. that China's vested interests as a creditor 
or opposed to the vested interests of Japan, United States, the European Union, and other overly indebted uh, uh, nations. I thought that China might have 10,000 tons of gold. They, a lot of reports ran that way, and I'm not convinced that they don't have something like that, but they've recently claimed that they've only got in excess of 1,000 tons, if I understand correctly. But we'd speculation was that they had accumulated 10,000 tons of gold, evidence of their surplus wealth. And they planned to use that gold to create a new gold-based currency that would sweep the world. Wanted to back their renminbi with gold. And we saw a billboard in Indonesia where they were advertising the renminbi, and they did it with a gold coin. Billboard along the highway. All right? China. Well, saying, listen, this is what they're trying to get. They wanted to be the world's alternative world reserve currency. But, silly me, now I find out that China, like Japan, the United States, and the European Union, is also a major debtor rather than a creditor. In fact, China's debt is so great that it will never be repaid, just like ours. Apparently, China's government and central bankers are just as big a bunch of treasonous whores and self-serving fools as we have in Washington, D.C. The world has no national creditors worth mentioning. Everybody is, or we are virtually all debtors now, and that's not a surprise exactly, because we have a debt-based monetary system. But for me, the implications are enormous. Now I see that all four of the major economies of the world, the United States, European Union, Japan, and China, all four of them are debtors. And all owe more than they are ever likely to be able to repay. That means all four major economies and political powers in the world have a common vested interest in repudiating most or even all of their governmental debts. And that means, at least to me, that there is an increased probability that a moment is coming when the four major world economies simultaneously announce a secret agreement to repudiate some or all of their existing debts, Re reset the global economy where every government starts out debt-free. That moment will probably include a new global monetary system. The new and improved monetary system will probably be debt-based and founded on, on special drawing rights from the, the International Monetary Fund. But it could be that in the chaos that follows the repudiation of most government debt, the people of the world will connect the dots and realize that they've been robbed by the current debt-based monetary system based on petrodollars and refuse to accept a newer debt-based monetary system based on special drawing rights. If so, there's a chance in maybe five that the global repudiation of government debts will be followed by a new asset-based monetary system that's ultimately built on a foundation of gold and or silver. In any case, I'd bet that when the moment of global government debt repudiation arrives, the price of gold will skyrocket, either because, one, the world's people won't trust another debt-based monetary system, another debt-based currency, and will therefore scramble to preserve whatever wealth they still have by investing it in gold or silver, or two, because a new gold-based currency won't work without raising the price of gold by a factor of at least 25, maybe 50, maybe more. 
If they come around, if time does come, I know that the system, the new world order, does not want a gold-based monetary system. But they've got to have some kind of system. And if the public realizes how badly they have been defrauded by a debt-based monetary system, which is what we have right now, and what they have in Europe, and what they have in China, and what they have in Japan. Once, if the public realizes how badly they've been defrauded by this debt-based monetary system, they're going to say, heck no, don't give us another debt-based monetary system. And they may not expect, uh, they may not accept special drawing rights from the IMF as a basis for the new and improved debt-based monetary system. And even if the world does get another debt-based monetary system. I'm going to bet that there's a black market among people of brains enough to see what's going on where they say, all right, let's do a little business in gold. I'll give you some gold, you give me that truck. I'll give you some silver, you give me that house. I think there's going to be, however this goes down, it seems to me that we're headed for some sort of a currency problem where we finally have to admit, look, this debt-based monetary system, this doesn't work. It can't continue. We can't solve our problems by going deeper and deeper and deeper into debt. And that's been the government's solution to the problem. We'll just borrow more money. That's all. <laughs> Very simple. We'll just borrow. How hard can it be? Need more money? Just borrow it. Everybody knows we're good for it. No, they don't. We had an event several years ago where the government held an auction for U.S. bonds, and no one was bidding. All right? They expected to just move these bonds at basically at full face value. And the private bidders that were there weren't even they weren't even paying attention. And it appeared that they were they would not buy the US government bonds until the price fell significantly. I I don't know if it had to fall by a third or not. They never got to that point, but rather than take a chance on creating evidence in the market that private investors were no longer willing to lend money to the United States, the government of the United States. The government shut the auction down and said, that's it, we're not going to auction these bonds today. And after that, the Federal Reserve was called on to start buying U.S. Treasuries, the majority of U.S. Treasuries, which is what they've done. And much to their chagrin, they are now at a point where I'm not sure that the Federal Reserve can buy any more U.S. bonds. I know the federal government can't sell any more, a significant number of them. They're still selling some, but not a significant number to private, in, to private investors. Why? People doubt that the debt can be repaid. There's no point to lending money to bankrupt, somebody who's bankrupt. He can't pay his existing debts. What makes you think he's going to pay any additional debts to you or me? And the world is kind of at that point. And if it turns out the Federal Reserve can't lend much more money to the United States government, and private investors won't lend much more money to the United States government, particularly at 0% interest rates or near zero, then how do we avoid that moment when government has to say, oh, gee, guess what? I don't have enough money for your entitlement programs. <laughs> you people on welfare are going to have to go hungry this month. And you guys on schools and school loans or whatever, yeah, you can forget that. We don't have that either. 
And we're going to have to start pulling our military back from where? Japan, South Korea, Afghanistan, Iraq, because, gee, we were, we're a little bit, little bit short this month. We're coming to this moment when we're going to have to admit that the debt-based monetary system doesn't work. And my main point to this, 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 this little segment here that we're talking about it turns out that China, much to my surprise, is as big a debtor as anybody else, maybe bigger. Which means all four major economies, Europe, United States, Japan, China, all of them, four major economies of the world, they are all in enormous debt and in debt, too deep in debt to repay the debt. They have, therefore, a common interest in repudiating that debt. How they're going to do it remains to be seen. But they're going to have to do it, and maybe they can devise a scheme where they can repudiate the debt, and they can do it in a way that they can control. Or maybe one of the four economies, Europe, United States, Japan, China, one of them finally just breaks down and says, I can't pay my debts. And when they do, maybe it starts an avalanche. Maybe one leads to another, leads to another, leads to the fourth. It's hard to say, but this system can't work. You can't treat debts as if they were assets. Uh, you can't rely on that. You can't have it as your foundation for your system. You've got to have assets, and then it's real. Without assets, it's an illusion. It's false. It's fictional. So, I don't know. I, I, again, I had thought China would be the one creditor nation who would balance against the rest of the debtors and maybe try to do the right thing. Now I see credit down now, according to these reports we're receiving, if they're $30 trillion in debt, they're not going to do the right thing. They can't do the right thing. They're broke. And Gerald Salente, you know, he warned, he gave us a certain amount of warning in his article. He says, look, China's broke. He does go on. How much time have we got left? Two minutes. He says, China's greatest fear is uh, citizen revolts. He points out that they have uh, 1.2, maybe 1.3 billion um, people, and they have 30 to 40,000 incidents, public protests, and strikes against the Chinese government per year. They were, and now they stopped reporting how many they have. That indicates that the number has grown. If the number had fallen, China would, the government would stand up and brag about, hey, we used to have 100, that's 100 a day, 100 strikes, anti-government protests per day. We never had anything like that during the Vietnam War. We had protests, we had problems, but it wasn't 100 a day. China's getting 100 a day that they admit to, they were admitting to, and now they won't reveal the number. This is more evidence that China is perhaps a paper tiger. They have demographic problems, they have resource problems, they have pollution problems, and they have economic problems, and now debt problems. How are they going to get out of this? I don't think China, again, and we've sensed this, talked about it on the program over over the last couple of years, I think China's overrated. I think they have too many problems, and they are too vulnerable, and you just give them a good shove, and I think they'll fall over. So we had earlier reports on uh, Russia's a second-rate nation. I think Russia will still be standing when China is 
is, is, has disintegrated, but we'll watch and see. I want to thank all of you for listening. We're out of time. Melody and I will be back tomorrow. In the meantime, the good Lord bless you, me, Melody, and Frank, the producer. Bye-bye. I work all night. I work all day to pay the bills I have to pay. There never seems to be a single penny left for me. That's too bad. In my dreams, I have a friend. If I got me a wealthy man, I wouldn't have to work at all. I'd fool around and have a Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Can your family survive a food shortage lasting two weeks, six months, or maybe longer? Sound far-fetched? We live in precarious times. There is an ever-increasing possibility of food shortages caused by terrorist attacks, natural disasters, truck strikes, or monetary collapse. You owe it to yourself and family to prepare, and you can by getting a supply of our long-storing, freeze-dried, and dehydrated foods. Our foods are time-tested to store for decades, require a minimum of time and energy to prepare while maintaining superior nutritional value, freshness, and taste. Our foods were designed for the space program and are in constant use today by our own nuclear submarine service. Contact the Freeze Dry Guy today at freezedryguy at lancet.com. That's freezedryguy at l-a-n-s-e-t.com or call 530-265-8333. 530-265-8333. And let them know you heard it on American Voice Radio. What makes deep sea salt from France so different? Up from the ocean depths in the south of France flow undersea rivers of pristine sea water. At high tide, the prepared salt ponds are filled with this water. Over spring and summer, processed only by ocean breezes and sunshine, the brine thickens and salt crystals float to the top. These are harvested with nets and deposited on wooden drainage flats to dry. The salt is then gathered up, packaged, and shipped around the world. This salt is much more than a box of lifeless sodium chloride. worth their salt were once paid with this valuable commodity. It contains 78 to 84 balancing elements. This is living salt, and once you have tasted it, you will never go back to anything else. I've seen this salt in gourmet shops for $30 a pound. Get it now at 4spectrum.us for under $8 a pound. Order 10 pounds and enter the coupon code AVRSALT at checkout and save $20. Ships free to your door or call 800-581-8906. Order today. 
The U.S. dollar is fluctuating, gasoline reserves are low, and the price is rising. World events are, at best, uncertain. How would you fare a stock market crash, hyperinflation, or an overall economic collapse? What would you do if you woke up and the U.S. dollar had the buying power of a penny? Call Swiss America at 1-800-BUY-COIN for a free 21-page report explaining the current economic dangers and how you can take steps to protect yourself and family. Call Swiss America at 1-800-BUY-COIN. That's 1-800-289-2646. 1-800-289-2646. To learn how you can become prepared, call 1-800-289-2646 and mention you heard it on the American Voice Radio Network. Fighting soldiers from the sky Fearless men who jump and die Men who mean just what they say The brave men of the Green Beret Silver wings upon their chest These are men America's best 100 men will test today but only three when the green beret hello everybody well wow. uh, did you make it through the weekend did you make it through Halloween uh, here in Nevada uh, we call it Nevada day uh, because uh, that was the date in 1865, that uh, Nevada uh, joined the Union. Now, they call uh, Nevada, this is just uh, so that you'll know a little something they didn't teach you in public school. They call Nevada the battle-born state. It, it's, it's a great uh, you know, way to uh, have on every flag, battle-born Whoa, you know, that sounds exciting, doesn't it? But actually, the uh, war of northern aggression, (laughs) as my uh, side of the family uh, cared to uh, recall it, you know, and the Rogers, uh, just the second thing I don't teach in public school, uh, but uh, Will Rogers' dad was uh, a full-blood Cherokee Indian and a captain in the Cherokee Rifles. And they had a general, actually, a Confederate general uh, that was a, they wouldn't have no uh, white people uh, running them. Uh, They didn't wear Confederate uniforms. They wore feathers and war paint. Now, the Cherokee Rifles, uh, they had some history with the Veil of Tears <laughs> when the white people uh, gathered them up out of North Carolina, the civilized tribes, uh, they were called, not just the Cherokee, but there were, you know, gosh, it's like, the, like you were reading in Genesis Exodus. Uh, they, there were seven civilized tribes, and they moved them all 
uh, including Seminoles, uh, and you know, in the Vale of Tears to Oklahoma, which was proclaimed Indian Territory. Well, during the Civil War, the Cherokee Rifles fought for the Confederacy. And Will Rogers' dad uh, was a captain, and he had uh, married a white woman. That's why Will Rogers uh, could have run for president, because he was natural born from a Native American dad, uh, a Cherokee Indian, and uh, a white woman also from America. And, you know, Will Rogers could have probably won <laughs> back in those times. Anyway, it was so interesting because most of the battles that were fought uh, were up on the Missouri, Arkansas, Kansas, Oklahoma line, that little area right up there in the northeast corner. And the Cherokee rifles won every battle because the boys uh, that were assigned uh, in that part of, uh, of the war against the South, uh, they uh, had come from Michigan, and they had come from Connecticut and Illinois, you know, places like this. They weren't used to seeing uh, hooping uh, Indians in traditional battle dress with tomahawks, only uh, these Indians uh, had rifles <laughs> coming screaming over the hill uh, after them. So most of the time, they just threw down their guns and run. So the Cherokee rifles were very victorious, and they didn't understand uh, when Robert E. Lee surrendered and turned over his sword at Appomattox. Uh, they didn't understand because they were winning. So they just didn't quit fighting. Uh, the Cherokee rifles kept on going uh, for quite a while before they finally uh, got the message. You know, it's like old hickory. Now, there's something else they don't teach you in public school. But here we got old hickory down there in the Battle of New Orleans, which is one of the most famous battles of the War of 1812 that was fought in 1815. But the British had already surrendered. <laughs> but the word hadn't got to New Orleans. And so the British uh, were was going to attack New Orleans. <laughs> and old Hickory, you know, he got his boys together, and uh, they sent them running uh, through uh, those swamps down there <laughs> uh, so fast the dogs couldn't catch them. Great song came out of that. And uh, a president of the United States uh, came out of that. Uh, old Hickory. Gosh, uh, I'm sorry. I'm just, uh, as an educator, I couldn't help it. It's Battle Born State Day yesterday. And I wanted you to know that uh, uh, Nevada uh, didn't become a state, actually, during the Civil War. Uh, but uh, we got through Halloween, and I hope that you did, too. I hope you listened, didn't uh, pick up any plastic bottles with caps and liquid in them laying in your yard so there's no injuries. Tell me that. Unfortunately, as we say our prayers, 
hope that the mothers and fathers remind the little children when you pray with them at night, and I hope you do this, that they remember our soldiers in battle, men and women now. They have lost lives, limbs, in some cases liberty, those that have been captured, 1,360 from Afghanistan and more every day, like the national debt, 4,427 in uh, Iraq. That's we're rapidly approaching 6,000, 5,787 now best I can make it. And uh, there are uh, people over there primarily, overwhelmingly, that whole area, like uh, in uh, Afghanistan, uh, it is uh, 100%. Now, you know that there, and with our occupation forces, uh, there are many, many Christians but uh, that are in the U.S. military. And then the foreign militaries, like Great Britain, that are part of the coalition occupying Afghanistan. But the Afghan people, they're all Muslims. And when you look at Pakistan, they aren't all Muslims. And there's about 97% of them that are Muslims. Uh, you look at Saudi Arabia, uh, 100%. Uh, you, uh, you go over to Iraq, and you will see where uh, Iraq borders on Iran there, and uh, there it's always in the 90 percentile. Well, this Sunday, yesterday, uh, an al-Qaeda jihad group, uh, went into a Catholic church in Baghdad, and they held hostage the congregation. Now, when you're overseas, and when uh, there's death all around, uh, you get closer uh, to God. You need God more. And so, uh, to let you see in this Catholic Church, when uh, the uh, Iraqi police forces uh, raided the church, well, the jihadists had explosive vests, and they set off uh, these vests, uh, which means that uh, they uh, were killed, and they got to go uh, straight to heaven uh, where they were welcomed by Virginians. Now, that's uh, just, uh, and this they don't teach you this in public school either. They don't teach you anything about the Quran, but they should. And uh, uh, we've discovered a flaw in, uh, uh, and, you know, the Book of Mormon was said to be by Joseph Smith the most accurate and perfect book that uh, was ever printed. Uh, but, uh, gosh, there's been about 4,000 corrections uh, since the uh, first uh, book was printed. Uh, 
So we find that, uh, you know, uh, little things there uh, get passed over as you read a draft of something you've read. Uh, you don't see anything. Boy, this is perfect. And then they print it, and what happens? Right there in the first sentence on the front page, probably in the bold underlined print, there's a misspelled word or whatever. And uh, so one thing that the Muhammad uh, probably uh, must have been him made a little mistake on is uh, this business about the promise uh, to those who die, uh, give their life in, in a jihad, uh, that they uh, will go to heaven uh, and uh, they, there will be buxami, this is the words in the Quran, buxami doe-eyed women. Well, a lot of people, uh, they also, it says more than that, and uh, the word virgins is uh, is widely used. I've read the Quran, and I've been an advisor in Saudi Arabia, and I have been uh, on missions in a lot of uh, Islamic countries, and I've noticed this, and uh, I just uh, don't try to tell them no, especially when you're over there uh, in their part of the world. But uh, the actual... I think the actual uh, uh, Arabic has is it just takes a little swirl, you know, and then it's a different word. But it's actually uh, translated as Virginians that will uh, meet uh, these jihadists instead of virgins. They just, you know, that little squirrely cue there. Mama just meant, missed that, I think. But it, to show you how deadly. Uh, these jihadists uh, can be, and how cowardly, uh, because of this doctrine of jihad uh, and this business of buxomy, doe-eyed women, and then what has been uh, mistranslated as virgins, because we know there there aren't probably uh, any more virgins left. Maybe there were in the beginning, but probably not now. So it is much more logical uh, to think of them as Virginians. And uh, I wouldn't want to meet a bunch of Virginians if uh, I had just um, uh, you know, cowardly blown up a bunch of innocent children. And I think that there is going to be a very painful and a very prolonged agony uh, for those who, like Christ said, if you hurt this little one, then better a millstone be placed around uh, your neck and you'd be dropped into the depths of the sea. Yeah. And so uh, Virginians, I don't know why God, uh, you know, Archies would have been, they're pretty tough, or Texans. But he chose Virginians, and so that, there it is. Fifty-eight people. Now, you see, in most uh, American churches, good Catholics uh, don't go to church every Sunday. Uh, they go, uh, go on Easter and Christmas, and that sort of classifies you as a good Catholic. But when you're in a war zone, then uh, uh, people have this tendency to try, to try to draw nearer to God. And so... When you have such a low percentage 
of people who are not Muslims. By the way, some they don't teach in public school, Muslim uh, in the language means traitor. And not like Trader Joe's, uh, not trading uh, commercially, but like a traitor. Uh, like, you know, somebody who has betrayed their country. And uh, it's a long story, so I won't get into it. But the Muslim, uh, the people who believe in Islam, they don't care. Maybe they don't know, <laughs> but they don't care if you call them Muslims because, you know, it's like other uh, names that have been used uh, to describe uh, various slices of society. Uh, they've been heard and been used uh, for generations, and so they accept it. Maybe there'll come a day when they don't want to be called Muslims anymore. They just want to be called uh, Islamists or Islamic believers. You know, we've been through this, uh, so that you end up changing. I mean, remember John Wayne and a lot of those black and white uh, movies, you know, where he was a pilot or he was a Marine at Iwo Jima? You remember uh, names that he had for our enemies over there. <laughs> well, things have a way of changing, don't they? And uh, so be it. Uh, I wanted to mention because I when we got off the program on uh, Friday, uh, Frank Stephan, who's the owner and operator of American Voice Radio said, Bo, you just told on yourself, you said that uh, the uh, New York Giants were going to be playing against the Texas Rangers and that uh, Minnie-Mee Bush was going to throw out uh, the ball on Sunday uh, at the fourth game. Well, uh, that... uh, to me, it was true. The Giants belong in New York. Whatever happened to loyalty? But do you know, the last time that the Giants, and maybe this got something to do with loyalty, the last time the Giants, uh, which is now, Frank told me, it shows uh, what kind of a TV sports uh, addict I am. I'm not. And so uh, I didn't even know the Giants had left New York, those turkeys. I mean, gosh, what about loyalty? Uh, So it's the San Francisco Giants. They have not won a World Series in over 50 years. They had been deserted New York and went to San Francisco. I can't believe it. What happened to me? See, uh, if you were, remember in World War II, I mean, a lot of times people had forgotten the password and one thing and the other. So if you were were off the lines or you were trying to get back to your lines and you came up and somebody said, Geraldine, and you didn't know what you said, I don't know password. Didn't want to know, you know, well, Joe, yo. And or whatever, and you better know uh, about baseball. Well, geez, See, if they would have said to me, Giants, 
and I would have said, New York, <laughs> I would have been shot by our own people. Anyway, if you are, since uh, baseball is supposed to be America's uh, national pastime, uh, I thought maybe it would be uh, right to say that tonight is game number five. And, you know, a lot of people say, well, I, I don't want to watch uh, uh, the World Series because you got to win four games out of seven, and so it can go to the seventh game. Well, it may be over tonight, so if you want to say that you watched with your children a or your friend a World Series game this year, you might better do it tonight because uh, the Giants are ahead three wins to one. And uh, yesterday... When Minnie Me threw out the ball, uh, his uh, Giants didn't do. Uh, it's, it's not his Giants. He owned the Texas Rangers. And by the way, I uh, watched uh, for a little bit on uh, Saturday, and uh, there was Laura Bush, and Laura still looked uh, very attractive. And then there was Minnie Me, uh, kind of sprawled out there, uh, looking as I remember him, when he admitted uh, using uh, marijuana and a little bit of cocaine. It looked like he, you know, he uh, maybe had had a tough evening of it. Well, I guess with the Rangers, uh, which he used to own, then he threw out the ball and it didn't work. They lost. <laughs> so uh, the Giants uh, play the fifth game. And if they win uh, tonight, even though they are, they moved 50 years ago uh, to San Francisco, uh, then they win the World Series. So uh, just for people who are wondering, don't forget, for crying out loud, uh, I, I have a lot of things that I need to I have to do tomorrow. But voting is on the top of the list. I'm going to get up early tomorrow morning. And I think the polls open about 7, and I'm going to uh, go in Sandy Valley. Uh, we have a little a polling place. Gosh, if nobody else is there, I'll know I probably should have uh, uh, read our little local newspaper or something. But I will uh, go, and it is not what I'm voting for. Actually, it is. I'm voting for... Taking Capitol Hill, just like San Juan Hill, Teddy Roosevelt and the Rough Riders, we need to take Capitol Hill and get rid of these liberals that would turn us in to the USSR. Now that the USSR has uh, changed its name, I'm tired of the socialists. Uh, who remember Stalin, a communist, is just a socialist in a hurry. I'm tired of these guys running our country into the ground, making us completely, you know, they're going to bring America down by loading us with a burden of debt so great, debtors are not choosers, that we don't have any choice except to... 
give up and go with a one-world uh, economic system. Oh, it'll be good to be the king. But it's got to happen before uh, the Christ will come to claim the earth. So, uh, but I say we've got to choose the right. And uh, taking Capitol Hill back doesn't do a thing other than uh, mean that uh, the legislative branch can reverse a lot of this Obama uh, giveaway. And the legislative branch, if it is Republican, and they will follow America's lead, which we have seen, uh, whether you like it or not, this Tea Party has done America, I believe, uh, a, uh, a favor. The Tea Party has introduced us back to uh, community uh, meeting halls, town meetings, where con people have stood up and uh, heard their voice. And I'll tell you something. If we don't vote and take Capitol Hill tomorrow, then uh, we're going to be in for a long, cold winter because house values are going down another 8%, and the jingles you got in your pocket went down now that it can tell us in September. All right, guys, we're going to take a little bit of a pause. We'll be right back with, and you're staying listening to American Voice Radio's Freedom Call. Control is a leading national organization dedicated to reasonable levels of legal immigration and effective enforcement to stop illegal immigration. With more than 250,000 members and supporters nationwide, we are an effective voice for immigration reform. AIC stands up in Washington for the views of most Americans on immigration. We are the leaders in stopping recent legislation to reward 10 million or more illegal aliens with legal status and eventual citizenship. The late Georgia Congressman Charlie Norwood had this to say about us. AIC has earned a reputation among members of Congress as one of the most active and responsive advocacy groups in the field of immigration. Join AIC today. For more information, go to our website, immigrationcontrol.com. That's immigrationcontrol.com or call 540-468-2023. That's 540-468-2023. 
what an expert says about distilled water. If you decide on bottled water, make sure it's distilled. However, in the long run, you'll save money if you clean your water at home. It's more convenient than hauling gallon jugs from the store. The gold standard for purifying your water is a system that distills your water and filters it. You have the comfort of knowing there is no chlorine, fluoride, bacteria, viruses, pesticides, or lead. You get nothing but H2O, maximum health. Dr. Robert D. Willis, Jr., M.D. Order your tabletop water distiller for $139.99 postpaid. It comes with everything you need to get pure distilled water. Go to superstore.theamericanvoice.com. That's superstore.theamericanvoice.com. Order now. The U.S. dollar is fluctuating, gasoline reserves are low, and the price is rising. World events are, at best, uncertain. How would you fare a stock market crash, hyperinflation, or an overall economic collapse? What would you do if you woke up and the U.S. dollar had the buying power of a penny? Call Swiss America at 1-800-BUY-COIN for a free 21-page report explaining the current economic dangers and how you can take steps to protect yourself and family. Call Swiss America at 1-800-BUY-COIN. That's 1-800-289-2646. 1-800-289-2646. To learn how you can become prepared, call 1-800-289-2646 and mention you heard it on the American Voice Radio Network. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Let TalkStream Live transform the way you listen to radio. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. Look at all these really cool uh, 
different things they have that are holy. Everything, monkeys, the snakes, the white cows. Uh, if you have certain kinds of uh, Buddhism, you know, then you find people kneeling before the plaster of Paris uh, Buddhas, uh, lighting Josh sticks with their hands reverently together, placing fruit. I used to love it, you know, because as a as a an agent in special forces, uh, we never get um, GI rations. One, there's no way to get them to us, and uh, secondly, you know, they kind of uh, be obvious if out in the trash they found, you know. U.S. government, and there was 1951 or something, because you know you're going to be getting uh, probably two war ago <laughs> rations, which would be the Korean War. So I kind of liked it, and I sort of, uh, I think I sort of did them a favor uh, when the, the Buddhists uh, were so good, they always took the the best of the fruit. The bananas, for example, never had a spot on them. You know, they were like chiquitas. They just were perfect. And the grapes, you would go, oh, boy, there's no rotten ones, no swiveled up ones. And the other kinds of fruit that you find uh, over there around uh, the world, uh, stuff like we don't have. And uh, I would uh, take that and eat it. And I think it pleased everybody because... It was as if, you know, before I came around, uh, the fruit was always just left. Uh, the Buddha, the gods, didn't seem to be interested. Anyway, I like loyalty, and that's my point. And so these teams that uh, move around, you know, I've never heard of them. Uh, and so I don't care about them, so I'm not going to watch them on uh, television. Even though I must say... Uh, uh, my number two son, Jay, uh, he uh, lived at Norman, Oklahoma, where uh, OU is uh, for years, and he was brought up on it. And his uh, social being, uh, his uh, psychic, I, he's a, a born-again Christian, so I don't worry about uh, him spiritually. But uh, he gets real grumpy. I mean, his physical health depends on Oklahoma football. And Oklahoma was rated number one two weeks ago. Oh, just a week ago, I guess. And they played Missouri, uh, who you know wasn't was barely rated at all. And Missouri beat them, which means that uh, Jay uh, probably went into uh, a depression. And uh, so I was glad. Now, I don't mention this uh, because Oki, see, I'm telling you about loyalty and all that stuff. I went to the University of Nebraska. And so I can say that Nebraska uh, beat the stuffing out of Missouri this last week. I mean, like on Saturday. And uh, I didn't say anything, but I kind of felt like uh, it was like a big brother. Uh, you know, those those guys from Nebraska, uh, when you look at that football team on television, they don't look the same <laughs> as uh, other football teams. 
These guys, they call them corn huskers, and it's because they are just farm boys. And uh, they don't have a, a lot of recruiting that comes, uh, you know, from every other state except Nebraska. Most of the Nebraska team is made up of corn huskers. And uh, they are just big bone, uh, muscular uh, young men who have learned to put their head down, even though it may be illegal now in pro football. Uh, and uh, I kind of thought it was like Big Brother coming to the rescue and beating up the bully because uh, Missouri now is down <laughs> and really got trounced on. So I hope that Jay is feeling better today. Uh, I've tried uh, to communicate with him on Facebook and uh, haven't gotten any response, so I know he was. But, you know, with the way it turned out with Nebraska, he should feel a lot better. Now, uh, I want you to be aware so that you aren't left uh, wondering. Remember uh, this airplane that was uh, flying uh, in from Dubai uh, and uh, had, uh, of course, uh, some uh, Yemen origin uh, explosive packages. One they had located uh, in uh, Yemen. Uh, one they had located in London. And uh, the news was saying, well, this couldn't be anything because they're just using toner cartridges, you know, as, uh, and they've got some uh, white powder and uh, there's some wire. So this, uh, you know, this couldn't be an explosive. It's not big enough. I mean, you need Tim McVeigh, like 4,500 pounds of uh, prilled ammonium nitrate. Well, and I explained to you uh, about a thing called a dust initiator, a soapbox uh, bomb that is no bigger than a soapbox, but it's designed uh, not to uh, uh, be used, let's say, in a big office building because there's too many walls and uh, too many cubicles and all this kind of stuff. Uh, it wouldn't be good uh, to use a soapbox charge, for example, in the Twin Towers. But when you have something like a large uh, hangar or if you, where there's a big space uh, surrounded by four walls and a ceiling, like a cathedral, for example, or an auditorium, uh, then these uh, soapbox uh, dust initiator bombs are perfect. They're so tiny. And you can set them off with just uh, uh, one and a half volt uh, dry cell battery, like a AAA or AA, or really good big time, use a C cell or a D cell. Well, uh, now they have uh, come out today, and said, because, see, that was Friday, wasn't it? They've come out today and said that the explosive, this is something new. Well, it's not new at all. Uh, the explosive that uh, they found in these devices is patent.
Now, I've already told you that uh, there's a scale that is used, and uh, the center of the scale is TNT. And they count that as uh, 1.0. Now, dynamite, uh, 60% dynamite is like 0.60. See, that's like half as powerful as TNT. So it's rated at 0.6 instead of 1.0. And plastic explosive uh, is rated at uh, 1.34. And so that means that plastic explosive is one-third more powerful in the same amount, a pound of uh, TNT versus a pound of uh, C4. The C4 is a third uh, more powerful. Well, patent is even more powerful than plastic explosive. And the patent... Uh, can easily be uh, transported because a patent is what is used uh, in uh, military blasting caps to set off things that were designed uh, where they could be shot with a machine gun and uh, they wouldn't uh, detonate military explosives. See, TNT... You can hit it with a hammer, and it's not going to go off. Uh, C4, you can actually burn it. GIs do it uh, to heat uh, rations with. And uh, so it takes a special military blasting cap in order to detonate uh, a military explosive. Well, the thing that detonates military explosive. Uh, is this little uh, aluminum uh, pencil, it looks like, only not quite the diameter, smaller than a pencil, and it's about, uh, oh, two inches, two and a half inches uh, long. And inside there, now there's what it is, it's hollow for about uh, two-thirds of it. And that's so that you can uh, put a time fuse uh, uh, down the the open end of the blasted cap, uh, or you can actually put detonating cord. You can stick the end of it down there and then crimp it on. Every demo man has a set of crimpers. Uh, it's like uh, a pair of pliers, only you fit it around. It fits around perfectly the casing of the blasting cap. You make sure, because you don't know how, Exactly. You know, people can uh, can goof. And so if they goof and they put that uh, little patent up there a little too high and you crimp it, it's going off. So you want to make sure that you face away. Your hands are turned away from your face uh, when you crimp so that it doesn't, uh, if it does go off, it's only going to affect your extremities. Anyway, uh, this... Uh, stuff in the blasting cap, if you were to uh, take a, a wire and you were to start uh, scraping it, penetrating it, you one, you'd take a chance on it going off. Uh, but it would come out as a white powder. This is patent. It's more explosive. And when uh, time fuse or when uh, electrical blasting caps are made 
so that you can uh, set them off with a volt and a half. Or you can actually, uh, every demolition man carries what we call a 10-cap blaster. Uh, and you, this is a little hand generator. You put the handle in there and you twist it, and uh, that generates electricity to go down uh, wires for quite a distance and set off electrical blasting caps. But the blasting caps or the detonating cord, this looks like, uh, as a matter of fact, when we simulate this and for training, uh, we'll use plastic clothesline because it looks just almost exactly same diameter, same appearance. Uh, usually a plastic clothesline is a little more uh, movable, bendable uh, than a detonating cord. But this is a very powerful explosive. And what they're saying is they said that the, uh, the small amount in what they discovered on this uh, Dubai aircraft uh, was equivalent to about two or three kilos. Well, now, a kilo is 2.2 pounds. So we're looking at like five pounds of TNT. <laughs> Don't be around when, uh, when that goes off. So where was this stuff headed? Well, it was uh, designed and addressed to go uh, to Chicago because that's where this flight was going, and uh, this stuff was going as mail. And so it was designed uh, to go to synagogues, which a synagogue uh, is what? Uh, it's got four walls and uh, a rather high ceiling. It's very likely to be an open space, perfect target for a small soapbox size uh, dust-initiated uh, device. So, friends, this is very serious. The only good news is that uh, our president has said we're going to give more and more money uh, to Yemen, the government of Yemen. We uh, already give them five million, but Obama, you know, since these bombs started showing up, this is the same kind of stuff, by the way, the patent, P-E-T-N, uh, which is the abbreviation for uh, rather complicated chemical compound, as the Christmas bomber. Remember, he tried to set his underwear on fire? Well, he was trying. He had, the, he had some patent uh, there in his underwear, and he was hoping that it would blow uh, a hole, uh, and when you have uh, a an airplane that uh, is under pressure, it's pressurized to 5,000 feet, and you're flying at, let's say, 30,000, uh, well, there is a lot of, of pressure, uh, and that's why in the movies, uh, if a window or somebody opens a door, you know, it's it's dangerous because... All the pressurized air flows out that opening. 
So the, uh, the kid from Nigeria uh, who had been to Yemen, he was going to Detroit, he was trying to blow up uh, just to make a, a hole in the aircraft because then the aircraft would self-destruct. Just the pressurization would result in more damage, and uh, he would uh, get to go meet Virginians uh, in, in uh, the promised land. Uh, so that is, now you know uh, what it was, and this is dangerous. Now, the president has said we are going to give more money to Yemen. You see, our houses are worth 8% less now than they were yesterday, you know, according to financial news. And they now can say that people, uh, for the month of September, our dollar actually shrank over what uh, reduced size it already is. Well, everything shrinks except it seems like these crazy programs that uh, Obama is bent on, uh, on our, uh, they, just, they just print the money. And then we have to add it to our uh, national debt, $14 trillion. And so now where we had given Yemen $5 million, which seems very small uh, compared to a billion, doesn't it? Now we're going to give Yemen more than $150 million. Yeah, that way they're going to love us more. And uh, the only thing that then uh, that I can tell you uh, that was kind of sweetened the whole thing, I'm not glad. I think it's dumb that we're giving Yemen... Uh, our enemy, I mean, where they blew up the USS Cole, Yemen, where Al-Qaeda, which planned and executed uh, the most destructive, cowardly attack against the United States uh, since uh, the Japanese did it at Pearl Harbor, December 7, 1941, the Twin Towers. This Al-Qaeda has been forced... Because when America gets serious and we turn loose our special forces, then uh, the media doesn't go. And so all of a sudden we had completely freed because uh, the Taliban was running and no dope was coming out of Afghanistan. And so uh, al-Qaeda now has uh, less than 50 uh, people in it. <laughs> so it makes me wonder what we're doing there. But in Yemen, Al-Qaeda has moved its hindquarters to Yemen. And so what are we doing? I think it's dumb uh, because they say, well, we're, we have to train uh, the Yemeni military. Let me tell you something. The Yemenese military, political, uh, whatever, Setting under the wrong end of a southbound camel, they don't like the United States. They have been taught since they were babes and came to realization of thought that America is the great Satan. So giving them $150 million 
just means that there uh, will be more for training al-Qaeda. But it does mean that our door, their door is open to more and more American presence. I'm talking overt presence, which means special forces. Now, why do you think that the guy would park a car uh, in a Times Square that had been to the uh, Yemen bomb school and that this car uh, wasn't any more threat than anybody else's car that might have been double parked uh, in Times Square. Somebody did not teach him how the actual how to put uh, components together so that they would detonate. What makes you think the guy with the tennis shoes didn't blow up? What about the kid uh, from Nigeria going to Detroit, tried to light his underwear on fire that had uh, petent in it? And, you know, it's all because somebody who is doing the training uh, isn't putting it all together. They're leaving out. It's like a, a uh, four-digit combination and somebody gives you uh, the first, second, and fourth number. It doesn't mean you're going to open the safe, does it? And so uh, as I uh, hear and see some of these things, I think, hmm, uh, let's, you know, let's not give them too much money. $150 million sounds crazy to me. By the way, I want to say uh, before we run out of time that uh, Ted Sorensen, he was 82, so he had lived a full life. Uh, he died today. Now, you might not even remember Ted Sorensen, but he was JFK's uh, alter ego. He was JFK's writer. What is one of the most famous lines that JFK uh, is known for? Remember at his inauguration, he stated, Ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Well, Ed Sor Ted Sorensen, he wrote that. Theodore Sorensen was the writer, the ghost writer, the alter ego for JFK. So that wasn't, that wasn't JFK's genius. And now we've lost uh, Sorensen. He's gone. And uh, there's a lot of good people. By the way, they have determined that alcohol is more, and I believe this, I hate alcohol. It stole my very best friend, the smartest man I ever knew's life. It destroyed his family. Uh, he died naked uh, four days before anybody found his body in his own home. His family deserted him. It was all because of this demon alcohol. Well, now they've come out and said that after exhaustive studies, alcohol has been found to be more dangerous than uh, crack cocaine, which I'd heard that crack was, you know, awful, and heroin. So, friends, it's legal, isn't it? Uh, and uh, Yet, alcohol will continue uh, 
uh, as a destroyer of human beings and social families, careers. Stay away from it. If you go through the airports uh, starting today, uh, you're going to have people's fingers and hands on your body. Uh, They are doing pat-downs now as part, you know, what happens is uh, these things like the uh, the, the Yemen uh, patent and these new devices, this means that uh, thousands standing around in the airport security business, they get more and more liberties. You have less and less. So now ladies can expect, you know, to be patted down, meaning having your armpits uh, underneath your breasts uh, and, you know, and other uh, more private parts of your body uh, will be examined uh, for uh, things that may not be there. And, you may, and, and that's just they don't have a machine that can look and see you. All right, all of you, please stay tuned to American Voice Radio. This has been Freedom Call, but there's other uh, excellent and good uh, programming coming your way. Up on their chest, these are men, America's best. One hundred men will test today, but only three win the Green Beret. Train to live off nature's land, trained in combat and a hand. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Ancient prophetic texts warn us that in the last days there will be wars and rumors of war, famines, pestilence, earthquakes in many places, and troublesome times, men fainting from fear from what is coming upon the earth. Even though these words were penned almost 2,000 years ago, we can readily see that this dire warning is applicable in the days in which we are living in now. Days of Chaos, a new book by L.A. Marzulli, exposes what is happening in the Middle East, the Fukushima disaster, the mysterious animal and fish die-off, the rise of the 8.0 and greater earthquake, the coming one world government, the collapse of the U.S. dollar, UFO activity, and so much more. Days of Chaos has the information you need in these troublesome times. Don't be afraid of these events. Come to an understanding of why they are happening as they were prophesied long ago. These are the Days of Chaos. Go to www.lamarzuli.net www.lamarzuli.net These are the Days of Chaos. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. 
Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. Constitutional Crusaders show on the American Voice Radio Network. I am your host, I'm Roy Ben Shadler, constitutional counselor and still all around pain in the rear end to bureaucrats and petty thugs everywhere. Today is Monday, November 2nd, 2015. My oh my, how is this year disappearing in a hurry? And it is the 3 o'clock hour out here on the left coast. If you're listening some other time zone, obviously you're going to have to adjust accordingly. This is a live call-in show. Calling in is not necessary. Thinking, however, is. We do, of course, give that exemption to the members of Media Matters in the Southern Poverty Law Center. After all, if we was to require them to think, well, it would create a hostile work environment. I don't want to be responsible for that. If you'd like to call in, it's real simple. You just dial one 800 932-1980 and if you'd like to contact me directly via Yahoo Instant Messenger you may do so at this time by using the Yahoo Instant Messenger ID of KC7AQK as is our want we like to open this show with the wisdom of the ages otherwise known as the dead white guy quote Civics was a class that used to be required before you could graduate from high school. You were taught what was in the U.S. Constitution. 
And after all the student rebellions in the 60s, civics was banished from the student curriculum and was replaced by something called social studies. Here we live in a country that has a fabulous constitution and all these guarantees, a contract between the citizens and the government. Nobody knows what's in it. It's one of the best kept secrets. And so, if you don't know what your rights are, how can you stand up for them? End quote. Now, you may be surprised who said that, my friends. That was Frank Zappa in an interview to Spin Magazine in July of 1991. And he absolutely nailed it. If you don't know what they are, how can you stand up for them? And the demise of civics classes. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Um, I'm going to apologize in advance, my friends. As you may know, I had a little accident uh, about 15, 16 weeks ago and uh, fractured my humerus, which has left me in a state of almost perpetual pain uh, because of this as I'm healing up. And today I'm not having a very good day. So I'm apologizing in advance because I actually had to succumb to some um, pretty potent painkillers because it was that or just simply lie down and, and space out for the rest of the day. And that really wasn't acceptable. So in order to try and make myself functional, I popped some pretty powerful painkillers and it's made me more than just a bit loopy, but I'm going to try and work through it. So in that vein... We have 24 pages in today's show newsletter, your calls, instant messages, and whatever else happens to come across the transom, and we will get to as much of it as possible right after this little disclaimer. Warning, this show may be hazardous to your paradigms if you are a whiny, crying, liberal, pinko, commie bedwetter, an inept, overpaid bureaucrat, or are still mad over Reagan's tax cut. Should you fit into any one of the above categories, immediately have your friends tie you down for some truth therapy. Continue this therapy until you can dismiss your delusions and can deal with reality. If you cannot handle 100% pure, unadulterated truth, this radio show will not be held responsible for your predictable discomfort. And uh, in order to help on the subject still of um, the pain, I'm um, sipping a little bit of um, turmeric and ginger tea right now. For those of you who may not be aware, both turmeric and ginger are natural painkillers in and of themselves. But there is one drawback to that, and that is um, it tends to make you a bit sleepy. So I apologize for that also. I'm going to try and... I'm just trying to deal with with this pain. It's... Um, uh, I, I've experienced pain before in my life, but uh, this um, 
constant, 24 hours, seven days a week, all the time, is starting to really get to me. Anyway, my job, my friends, is very simple. It is to comfort the disturbed and to disturb the comfortable, and I do it the same way you can, by asking questions. But um, that can only happen if you support this network and support this show. And I understand some of you out there are thinking about... um, supporting this show because I've been getting some interesting uh, messages from some people, but uh, nothing is really happening in the way of supporting this show, which is like, I'm going like, hmm, we really need to uh, change the situation, but I digress. Today is a first Monday, and as a first Monday, I need to uh, do my monthly disclaimer because, after all, for those of you who are not familiar, I was a political prisoner for a while, and part of the reason that I was locked up, literally locked up in a um, federal prison camp for 11 months was they called this show uh, Prohibited Commercial Speech, and as I objected to this, I realized that I did not have anything where I had done anything like this to protect myself. So, I'm doing it now. I know it's it's great that you lock the barn door after the after the barn is burned down, you know, but anyway, it's it's to try and keep it from happening again. But The gist of it is, real simply, my friends, is that we are facing a tremendous amount of thought crime. And they, by calling this show a prohibited commercial speech, it is simply marginalizing this into thought crime. So, your host, that would be me, M. Roy Ben Shadler, is in no way... Uh, threatening any kind of physical, mental, or emotional harm, i.e. a thought crime, to any elected politician or bureau rat. And if you as a politician or bureau rat feel that I have been, well, then that feeling is based purely on the limited functioning of your own depraved and shoe-sized IQ mind. And if you feel threatened by the likes of a harmless political commentator like me, then you really need to get out of the leech business and do something productive, you know, like mowing lawns or painting over graffiti or maybe even offering yourself as a live target to DHS so they can become less queasy over shooting Americans. Now, for those of you who say that what I just said is an example of thought crime in and of itself, no, it's not. It is political speech and satire. Unfortunately, due to the totalitarian nature of the Orwellian world we now live in with its uh, double speak, ing sock, double think, and things like homeland security. Well, the satire I do is becoming not because of anything I am saying or doing, but by the actions of a more aggressive and totalitarian ministry of love, otherwise known as Justice Department, locks up people because of perceived threats. Well, the very thing I started out as satire years ago is now the new thought crime. Welcome, my friends, to the new reality. Big Brother is here. Cult of Personality is here. Ingsoc is here. Prism is here. Metadata is here. NSA's X-Key Score is here. You know, is it any wonder I close the show each way the week I do? Each, why I close each week's show the way I do. I told you I'm under the influence of uh, painkillers. I apologize. Well, 
the thing is, is I also like to take this opportunity on the first Monday to do first Monday stories. And I found a rather very interesting um, letter, my friends. Since I spend so much time talking about 1984, why not talk about it just a little bit more? This is called The Foreshadowing of 1984. George Orwell is about as close to a literary hero I have, my friends. Aldous Huxley is also a favorite for very similar reasons. However, both of them were liberals, that is, basically modern liberals, who still had a sense of the spirit which drove the liberals of years before them. They were liberals who understood that individuality and questioning are vital to a just society, that lockstepism, whether it's to the left or to the right or other, led to human destruction, indeed to the destruction of the human spirit. That's what these gentlemen were very good for. Well, Orwell still had too much love for economic centralization in his life. He still believed in the, the middle road. But his time was a time when humans thought they could engineer everything. We hadn't yet learned that human action, which is highly influenced by the observer effect, makes such engineering basically impossible. Um, you know, so we'll give him a pass as far as that goes. The term observer effect, though, I feel needs a little bit of explanation. So I'm going to give that to you right now. It refers to changes in the act of observation which make, a, make on a phenomenon being observed. You know, it's the result of instruments that by necessity alter the state of what they measure in some manner. Um, a, a commonplace example, for example, is checking the pressure on an automobile tire. It's difficult to do without letting out some of the air, thus changing the pressure. That's the observer effect. So, bear that in mind while I go over this very interesting article that I came across. That, By the way, that was just a little introduction to the article here, my friends. Now, George Orwell wrote a letter on why he wrote 1984. And in 1944 three years before writing and five years before publishing 1984, George Orwell, he penned a letter detailing the thesis of that great novel. The letter, a warning of the rise of totalitarianism, police states that will say that two and two are five, is reprinted from the book George Orwell, A Life in Letters, and it's and here it goes, without any further ado, my friends. To Noah Wilmet on the 18th of May, 1944, Dear Mr. Wilmet, many thanks for your letter. You asked whether totalitarianism, leader worship, etc., are really on the upgrade and instance the fact that they are not apparently growing in this country and in the USA. I must say I believe, or fear, that taking the world as a whole, these things are on the increase. Hitler, no doubt, will soon disappear, but only at the expense of strengthening Stalin, or the Anglo-American millionaires, or all sorts of petty fears of the type of de Gaulle. 
all the national movements everywhere, and even those that originate in resistance to German domination, seem to take non-democratic forms to group themselves around some superhuman Fuhrer, like Hitler, Stalin, Salazar, Franco, Gandhi, de Valere, are all varying examples, as, as Orwell brought up here. And I hope, my friends, you're catching on to the idea of what I talked about him being you know, somewhat of a liberal himself in, in this letter here. And he goes on saying that to adopt the theory that the end justifies the means... Well, everywhere the world movement seems to be in the direction of centralized economies, which can be made to work, quote-unquote, in an economic sense, but which are not democratically organized and which tend to establish a caste system. With this go the horrors of a emotional nationalism and a tendency to disbelieve in the existence of observable truth because all the facts have to fit within the words and prophecies of some infallible Fuhrer. Already, history has, in a sense, ceased to exist, i.e., there is no such thing as a history of our own times which could be universally accepted, and the exact science, exact sciences are endangered as soon as military necessity ceases to keep people up on the mark. Hitler can say that the Jews started the war, and if he survives, that will become official history. He can't say that two and two are five, because for the purpose of, say, ballistics, they have to make four. But if the sort of world I'm afraid of arrives, a world of two or three great superstates, which are unable to conquer one another, two and two could become five if the Fuhrer wished it. That, so far as I can see, is the direction in which we are actually moving, though, of course, the process is reversible. As to the comparative immunity of Britain and the USA, whether the pacifists and etc. may say we have not gone to totalitarian yet, and this is a very hopeful symptom, I believe very deeply, as I explained in my book, the lion and the unicorn, in the English people and in their capacity to centralize their economy without destroying freedom in doing so. But one must remember that Britain and the USA haven't really tried. They haven't known defeat or severe suffering. And there are some bad sy symptoms to balance the good ones to begin with. There is the general indifference to the decay of democracy. Do you realize, for instance, that no one in England under 26 now has a vote, and that so far as one can see, the great mass of people of that age don't give a damn for this? Secondly, there is the fact that the intellectuals are more totalitarian in outlook than the common people. On the whole, the English intelligentsia have opposed Hitler, but only at the price of accepting Stalin. Most of them are perfectly ready for dictatorial methods, secret police, systematic falsification of history, etc. So as long as they feel it is on our side, indeed, the statement that we haven't a fascist movement in England largely means that the young at this moment look for their fear elsewhere.
One can't be sure that there won't change, nor can one be sure that the common people won't think ten years hence as the intellectuals do now. I hope they won't. I even trust they won't. But if it's so, we'll, we'll be at the cost of a struggle. If one simply proclaims that all is for the best and doesn't point to the sinister symptoms, one is merely helping to bring totalitarianism nearer. You may also, if I think, the world tendency is toward fascism. Why do I support the war? It is a choice of evils. I fancy nearly every war is that. I know enough of British imperialism not to like it, but I would support it against Nazism or Japanese imperialism as the lesser evil. Similarly, I would support the USSR against Germany because I think the USSR cannot altogether escape its past and retains enough of the original ideas of the revolution to make it a more hopeful phenomenon than Nazi Germany. I think, and have thought ever since the war began in 1936 or thereabouts that our cause is the better but we have to keep on making it the better which involves constant criticism yours sincerely George Orwell now I hope you noticed my friends there how much that absolutely did foreshadow 1984 right down to the line if there is hope it lies in the proles, the common people. Yes. Very, very interesting, my friends. And a little insight, you know, because if if I just talk about 1984, and I urge you to read it, and I still think you should, well, maybe a little insight into the mind that went to creating it might help you understand it better, and that's why I just did that. Okay, our good old friends at Against Crony Capitalism brought this to my attention, that Carly Fiorina just said something here a couple days ago that was very fascinating and true about crony capitalism. In the middle of Carly Fiorina's attack on crony capitalism during that debate, uh, not, not the last one, but the one before that, uh, she brought up a real and troubling problem with the economy. Bigger, older corporations are becoming a larger and larger part of the economy, while small businesses and entrepreneurship are on the decline. Well, this has been the trend for the past three decades now, and economists still don't have any strong theories. Why aren't people starting new businesses, and why do bigger businesses seem to enjoy such an advantage in the modern economy? Well, Darren Asmoglu, an economist at MIT, believes that the rise of lobbying is one factor. He said, quote, it's becoming more and more difficult to run a successful business in the United States without doing lobbying, campaign contributions, and other deals with politicians. This is what he wrote to the New York Times in April. Well, Carly was likely referring to the bailouts that the banks and automakers received during recessions, but other forms of crony capitalism happen all the time. For example when politicians accept money and then lend their ears to corporate donors. Yeah, 
every now and then, my friends, these little truths leak out. And it's up to us to hear them. This is, this is what I talk about when I talk about critical thinking skills, my friends. The ability to see things and go, aha, I see what you did there. I see what you're talking about. And I see what you're also not talking about, which is often the example, my friends, is what people aren't talking about is sometimes more important than what they are talking about really seriously. Okay, I think I have enough time here to to get going on this, but not finish it. So let's see how far I can get, and I'll turn the volume up so I can make sure I can hear the music. But I have not done a story on not fitting the template in a while. And for those of you who may not remember that, because it has been a while since I've done that, it's our lamestream media has certain templates, and if a story falls outside that template, they will not report on it, no matter how newsworthy, because after all, the template is the agenda, And in this case, the agenda a while ago, and I did a whole bunch of stories on them, was the sudden rise, which I showed was not a rise at all, in black churches being set on fire, the arsons of them. And I exposed how a great deal of them, when the actual arsonist was found out who they were, all of a sudden the stories dried up because, well, it didn't fit the template. And the template was that white supremacists were doing this, and haters were doing this, and and and, uh, neo-Nazis were doing it, etc. You know, well, when it found out who really was doing it, well, that story's dried up and blew away. Here's another case of that. And now it looks like I've just talked myself into a corner here. I won't get to it, but it's another one of those that doesn't fit the template. A string of arsons uh, back east in the Philadelphia area. Um, a bunch of churches. And surprise, surprise, surprise. Who's setting them? A black man. Yeah. Um, Fed Up reports saying that we've noticed that the press was pushing the racist narrative when several black churches were torched. Pictures were posted of what looked like the front door of each church burned from the outside, but not damaged too much. And many publications published articles with the slant that it was a racist person from outside the black community that was burning the churches. Well, the ATF was even quoted in an Atlantic article with a slant toward racism, saying that the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms is investigating the fires and in a statement, we believe that this fire setting activity is meant to send a message. Well, I'll tell you what the message is on the other side of the break. You're listening to the Constitutional Crusader Show on the American Voice Radio Network. Don't you go anywhere. We will be right back.
Food prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Shadler, constitutional counselor, and I'm feeling a, a little under the weather today and in the respect that um, I've uh, been having a, a bout of shoulder pain as a result of my arm being broken. That is, if I move my arm in certain directions, it causes um, 
severe pain that's dang near debilitating. So I'm trying not to move my arm in those directions, but you just can't help it. What can I say? Okay. I was leading up to, and I talked myself into a corner before I ran out of time here at the, at the end of the last uh, break or session, and I was talking about these string of arsons that's been going on here back east around the St. Louis area. I, I might have said uh, Philadelphia, and I, I apologize uh, profusely because I really meant to say St. Louis. But anyway, um, this is another one of those stories where things do not fit the template. And, of course, the BATF talking and saying that we believe that this fire setting is meant to send a message. Well, the fires, my friends, were sent set on the outside doors, on the outside of the door, and they apparently were set in such a manner as to only cause very superficial damage, and that's what almost all of them have done, is very superficial damage. However, the police and uh, BATF, etc., are locking down on it and going that they're saying they made an arrest in connection. They finally did. They made an arrest in the connection of that two-week string of arsons, most of which occurred in black neighborhoods, the Post-Dispatch uh, is reporting back there. The suspect, surprise, surprise, is a black man in his 30s, David Lopez Jackson, according to a police source. Investigators are expected to seek criminal charges against him, and the string of fires, many of which just did minimal damage, drew the attention of local and federal investigators, and the locations drew speculations of whether it was a hate crime. Of course. The Reverend Robin Gettinger of St. Augustine Catholic Church um, said... Uh, 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 news of the arrest was released saying, quote, we pray for the person who has done this. It seems to be mentally off-balance behavior, the pastor said. He said the church remains grateful that damage was isolated to the front doors, which was common in all these fires, and they have not yet received bids, but damage is easily in the thousands of dollars, he said. Okay. So, again, I'm bringing this up, and I'm spending the time to bring this up to you because we want to watch this. These are stories that don't fit the template. And when it's found out that they don't fit the template, that it's not that white supremacist or hate speech, etc., they tend to get swept under the door. But before they get swept under the rug... All that damage was done by hyping it up about, oh, we have another string of hate crimes on our hands. And yet, no talk about it once it's found out that it's not a hate crime. It's just some lunatic out there. Okay? So that's why I'm bringing it up to you, my friends, to be on the lookout. Because after all, these things tend to run... Surprise, 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 right around election cycles. Gee, I wonder why. And, of course, it turns out that uh, later we find out that it turns out that the people perpetrating these things often have political motivations. No, but not. it's not a hate crime. Hmm. Hmm. 
Well, that right there, my friends, is a segue into the next thing that I'm doing. In case you didn't notice, that was just a tiny bit of sarcasm on my point. On my part, I should say. Again, I apologize. I'm a little loopy here today. I almost, almost just said to Frank, I cannot do the show today, but I'm, I'm trying to pull it together for you here. <laughs> Big surprise we have here. Harvard study shows that sarcasm is actually good for you. Hmm, interesting. It starts out, the, the reporting on this uh, finding from Harvard, starts out by saying that people who don't like sarcasm are the best. Such confident, agreeable, quick-witted folk. More impressively, their negative conclusions regarding sarcasm are often founded upon strongly analytical frameworks like raw emotion and insecurity, rather than notoriously unreliable approaches like rational observation and the scientific method. Do you see what we did there, my friends? See, according to the new research from Harvard Business School, oh, we have an instant message. Uh, let's see what we got here. Uh, um, oh, yes, that's right. yes, okay, yes, back to the story on arsonist. The question itself is a black guy, he has mental problems, a poor, and he's a poor thing. But if he's white, it's hate, and he needs to be punished severely. Ding, ding, hang, where's my, my clanger? Hang on, there we go. Yes, exactly, ding, 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 yes, exactly, that's the point. See, if you're black and you set fire to black churches oh you're just a poor misguided misunderstood thing but if you're white oh my goodness yes exactly my friends that's the, there you go okay now back to this thing about sarcasm and being good for you because it is good for you according to new research from the Harvard Business School, Columbia Business School and INSAID which is the business school for the world the first paragraph that I just did for you just made you more creative, and you're welcome. See, data from a recent study entitled The Highest Form of Intelligence, Sarcasm Increases Creativity for Both Expressors and Recipients. That's the study of the, the title of the study, my friends. It suggests that the delivery and deciphering of sarcasm offers psychological benefits that have been largely underappreciated and long overlooked. Francesca Gina, or Gino, excuse me, the study author from Harvard, told the Harvard Gazette in an email, quote, to create or decode sarcasm, both the expressors and recipients of sarcasm need to overcome the contradiction, i.e., the psychological distance between the literal and actual meanings of the sarcastic expressions. This is a process that activates and is facilitated by abstraction, which in turn promotes creative thinking, end quote. Absolutely true, my friends. Uh, this has been my experience throughout life. I also would add that in addition to sarcasm, the ability to engage in puns on just about any subject at the drop of a 
hat is also a sign of higher intelligence. And I do believe that uh, Alfred Hitchcock, oh yes, yes he did, right, Alfred Hitchcock on, um, oh what was that show, um, uh, early, early talk show, um, long before things like late night, etc., um, he expressed how sarcasm, it, or puns, excuse me, are actually a sign of higher intelligence because it takes a higher intelligence to create and think of the pun and make it relevant to the subject at hand. So same thing here with sarcasm we're finding out. So in this study, participants were randomly rotated through simulated conversation tasks that had one of three conditions. There was the neutral or control, the sincere, and the sarcastic. After each conversation, participants were asked to complete unrelated creativity tasks. Those addressing the creativity tasks after sarcastic conditions consistently outperformed those attempting the tasks after sincere or the control conditions. So, quote, this suggests that sarcasm has the potential to catalyze creativity in everyone, end quote. Columbia Galinsky wrote and told the Gazette, the study did show some predictable negative impacts of sarcasm, namely its propensity to instigate conflict between people with limited rapport. In other words, people who are not able to communicate clearly. Gee whiz, why is that not surprising? And yes, again, that was sarcasm. But once a simple baseline of trust was introduced between parties, Sarcasm promoted significant creative and abstract thinking without elevating conflict levels. In other words, between people who are capable of higher thought processes, they didn't just resort to fisticuffs right away because they got the sarcasm. So, Gino, the study author, says, we hope our research will inspire organizations and communication coaches to take a renewed look at sarcasm. By doing so, both the individuals involved in sarcastic conversations would benefit creatively, end quote. So, next time someone makes a derogatory comment about sarcasm, just look them straight in the eye while you nod, gently pat them on the head and say, you're so right. Then hand them this article. And they will graciously acknowledge defeat and be in your creative debt for eternity. There you go. Happy sarcasm, my friends. And that's part of what I offer on this show is, you know, cr critical thinking involves a tremendous amount of sarcasm at times because you either got to approach it sarcastically or you go crazy, my friends. Okay, this, my friends, changing gears completely, this is what happens when Democrats take over American cities. Town Hall has given us five ways liberalism has destroyed Detroit. Now, my friends, a lot of this, if you're a long-time listener to this show, a lot of this is going to be repeat, but bear with me. Because in that really old law book that I love to quote 
from time to time, it says quite plainly in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word will be established. So, since I'm trying to establish the word on what Democrats and liberalism has done to destroy America, well, I'm going to bring up a lot of different witnesses, my friends, so that you can have it established that I'm not just making it up out of whole cloth. So here we go. Uh, Like I said, townhall.com reports and says, Detroit was once one of the world's greatest cities. It was the fourth largest metropolis in America. Jobs were plentiful because of the auto industry, and Motown even kept it on the cutting edge musically. Unfortunately, from 1962 until the present day, the mayor of Detroit has always been a Democrat. Hmm. The result? Detroit's population has dropped from 1.8 million to just over 700,000. The unemployment rate is over 50%, if you count the people who've given up on finding jobs. Property values have dropped so much you can buy homes in crime-ridden city for only $500. And Detroit has gone bankrupt. How did Democrats kill one of the most prosperous cities in America? With the same sort of unfettered liberalism that Democrats like B.O., Harry Reid, and Nancy Pelosi want to foist on the rest of the nation. One, and here we go, the five points. One, unions crippled the auto industry. The big three automakers could afford unions when they were practical, or when they practically had a monopoly on auto production in the United States. However, once they started facing real competition from overseas, the unions made them less and less competitive. The unions forced the companies to pay out more than market value for their workers, put stifling work rules in place that made flexibility and innovation difficult, and created generous pension plans that are proving to be unsustainable. This wouldn't have been possible without a symbiotic relationship between the unions and the Democrats in government who tied the hands of the big three automakers and simply wouldn't allow them to get rid of the unions that were slowly strangling them to death. Eventually, because of the unions, the big three automakers had to deal with significantly larger costs per car than their overseas competitors, and they took it out of the only place they could, the cars. As the quality of their products dropped, their competitors took an even larger share of their market, and there were fewer jobs to go around. And if you want to know why the Motor City is up on cinder blocks in Michigan's front yard, well, this is where it started. Number two, white citizens were demonized until they left. Detroit was a heavily segregated city, and in 1967, there were black riots. And after that, white flight to the suburbs began. This was dramatically exacerbated when Coleman Young became Detroit's first black mayor in 1972. Excuse me, Young was cut from the same cloth as men like Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson, but unlike the two of them, he actually had power. Young systematically drove white government employees out of their jobs so they could be replaced by blacks. He was hostile to the white suburbs and was generally perceived as anti-white. And naturally, a lot of white people just left. 
which reduced the population and significantly cut into the tax base. Today, Detroit is a 7.9% white city, and if just and if he were alive and kicking, that would probably suit Coleman Young just fine. Number three, out-of-control crime helped drive much of the black middle class out of the city. Ever heard of Devil's Night? It's the night before Halloween, and in Detroit, fires were set all over the city. Combine the sort of criminal mentality that produces an unofficial <clears throat> holiday like that with a sky-high unemployment rate and draconian laws designed to make it difficult for law-abiding citizens to arm themselves, and it's not a surprise that crime is a problem in Detroit. However, the issue goes much deeper than that. In case you haven't noticed, in a conflict between a cop and a criminal, the hearts of liberals almost always seem to bleed for the thug. Combine that with the liberal tendency that when money gets tight to cut essential programs instead of their perks and the goodies they hand out to their supporters, and you end up with a police department that is both dramatically underfunded and completely incompetent. How bad has it gotten? Well... The size of the police force in Detroit has been cut by about 40% over the past decade. It takes police an average of 58 minutes to respond to a call, and the police solve less than 10% of the crimes that are committed in Detroit. Hmm. Gee whiz. Four. Reckless government spending bankrupted the city. Detroit's tax base has been plunging like an anvil dropped in the Marianas Trench. And so in true liberal fashion, liberals have raised taxes to make up for it instead of cutting spending. Quote, the city's per capita tax burden is the highest in Michigan. Detroit has the country's highest property taxes on homes, the top commercial property tax, and the second highest industrial property tax. End quote. Unfortunately for Detroit, you can't get blood from a stone. And as jobs and wealth fled the city, there was simply less cash available for big government programs, pensions, and the incredibly generous but almost completely unfunded union health care program. It's fantastic that the city paid 80% to 100% of retirees' medical costs, but 99.6% of those costs were unfunded. As Obamacare supporters should have learned by now, it's a lot easier for politicians to make big promises about what they're going to give you than it is to back them up in the real world. And finally, number five, the government is completely incompetent. Ever notice that the bigger government seems to get, the less it does anything well? Citizens of Detroit could tell you all about that. The school system is horrible, which explains why a staggering 47% of the population is illiterate. In addition, 40% of the streetlights don't work. Only about one-third of the ambulances are running, and two-thirds of the parks have been closed since 2008. Just to give you an idea of its priorities, an independent report in 2012 suggested the city fire 80% of the water and sewage department, including a horseshoer that was on its staff, even though they had no horses. How did the union respond to that report? Well, 
they said. They don't have enough people as it is right now. They're just dreaming to think they can operate that plant with less. That was the response. Detroit may not have enough police, ambulances, or competent teachers, but if you ever need a horseshoe in the Motor City, well, they got you covered. Uh-huh. There you go. There you go, my friends. Okay. A brilliant meme sums up the real difference between a socialist and a capitalist. So here you go, my friends. The meme shows a very nice middle-to-upper-class home. You know, multi-tiered roof, double-car garage, large uh, family room, obviously, you know, living room, etc. You know, fairly large front yard with hedge, etc., right? Nice house, in other words. Well, the meme says a socialist is disgusted by expensive house and thinks no one should live like that. Well, a capitalist sees that same house and thinks everyone should be able to live like this. Well, there's the meme, my friends. And Powerline reports that socialist Bernie Sanders is now running only six points behind limousine socialist Hillary Clinton in New Hampshire, according to uh, WMUR Granite State Poll, and Clinton leads Sanders 42 to 36. That puts him only fractionally outside the poll's margin of error. Although Clinton maintains a double-digit lead in New Hampshire in the real clear politics average, that lead is inflated by a poll by Bloomberg and St. Asylum from mid-June that had Clinton up by 32 points. The last three polls, including the latest one, have Clinton ahead by only 8, 10, and now 6 points. See the decline, my friends? And what about Biden? Well, he has an inclu- wasn't included in the head-to-head poll. However, the latest poll shows an unfavorable split of 63% to 25% for the Gorillas vice president. And that's worse than Clinton's rating of 72-19 and Sanders 69-10. You know, so, wow, hmm, you see how these things work, my friends? Now, of course, we now know, uh, since this article's been written, that Biden's come out and said, I'm not going to run. So, there we go. Well, Biden enthusiasts, including those at the White House, may be overlooking the fact that the B.O. administration is not viewed as wonderful even by the Democrats. And we assume why is because Hillary has been distancing herself from Obama, which in turn probably explains Team Obama's enthusiasm, or now lack of enthusiasm, for a Biden run. Well, Democrats and their pundit allies who are cackling about the size of the Republican field and the rise of Donald Trump should pay more attention to what's happening on their side of the presidential race, or maybe they're paying plenty of attention and cackling about the GOP as a form of compensation. Do you think, my friends? Hmm, yeah, it sounds very reasonable to me. Now, by now, if you have not heard about the the Bloomberg's, you know, Mothers Against uh, uh, Sanity movement, you know, the, the Moms Demand Action, uh, but their action is inaction in making a socialist state, i.e. specifically disarmament of the people, 
Well, there's a new movement out there, my friends, that you probably haven't heard about because it's in the complete opposite direction. Congressman's wife launches a Mothers Against Gun-Free Zones. Christy Stutzman is a wife, former teacher, and mother who believes the senseless acts of violence often perpetrated on school campuses with a gun can be remedied not by taking away guns, but by taking away gun-free zones. To that end, Stutzman is rallying with other mothers around the country to launch Mothers Against Gun-Free Zones. According to the Washington Times, Stutzman is focused on how her son will be able to maintain his own safety once he heads off to college, and having him in areas surrounded by no-guns-allowed signs does not really inspire confidence. Indeed. Stutzman said, My number one priority is to know with assurance that my son will be kept safe in every way and that if attacked. He will have the ability and freedom to defend himself. Yes, by all means, we need to discuss the current lack of adequate treatment for mental health. There are obviously major issues that need to be addressed in that area of health care, but until that complicated subject is honestly addressed and corrected, there is one surefire, no-fail way to keep our kids safe, and that is no gun-free zones. She has a point, my friends, and she points out that gun-free zones are obvious targets for madmen with guns, yet leaders on the Democrat side appear determined to maintain such zones at all costs, even when the costs include the lives of our children. Of course, my friends. Well, I'll continue on with this breath of fresh air and sanity, because it's not often you hear a politician do these sort of things, or the wife of a politician, I should say. And it's rather, well, it's refreshing. What can I say? So I don't want you to miss it. So you're listening to the Constitutional Crusaders show on the American Voice Radio Network. Don't you go anywhere. We will be right back. To everyone he meets, he says a stranger. shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific.
Ancient prophetic texts warn us that in the last days there will be wars and rumors of war, famines, pestilence, earthquakes in many places, and troublesome times, men fainting from fear from what is coming upon the earth. Even though these words were penned almost 2,000 years ago, we can readily see that this dire warning is applicable in the days in which we are living in now. Days of Chaos, a new book by L.A. Marzulli, exposes what is happening in the Middle East, the Fukushima disaster, the mysterious animal and fish die-off, the rise of the 8.0 and greater earthquake, the coming one world government, the collapse of the U.S. dollar, UFO activity, and so much more. Days of Chaos has the information you need in these troublesome times. Don't be afraid of these events. Come to an understanding of why they are happening as they were prophesied long ago. These are the Days of Chaos. Go to www.lamarzuli.net www.lamarzuli.net These are the Days of Chaos. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. Warning. If you're here to feel good about government, if you believe that people in office actually care about your well-being, if you believe that statutes and codes are God's gift to man, this show is not for you. If you believe NBC, CNN, Faux News, and the like actually report real news, this show is not for you. This... is a proper place where those beliefs need disposal of. So if you decide to stick around, this show will not be responsible for your mental instability. If you're brave enough to call in, this is your warning. You best bring facts to the discussion. And welcome back to the Constitutional Crusaders show. It's still Monday, November 2nd, 2015. It is the 4 o'clock hour. 4 o'clock Pacific Standard Time now, uh, out here on the left coast, and uh, I'm your host, I'm Roy Ben Shadler, and I'm really trying to suck it up here and stay focused. I'm having a, a bit of mental difficulty because of the pain in my arm from my shattered humerus, and no, it's not very funny, har, 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 um, that I suffered uh, several weeks ago. In fact, uh, on the 19th of this month, I get to go see uh, my surgeon, uh, and it, that will be 18 weeks. Uh, so 18, 17, uh, this, this would be week 16 here. Uh, yes, and yes, I'm trying to, um, uh, <laughs> trying to um, stay focused here, my friends. So on that case, we left off the last half hour talking about a 
politician's wife who is creating a new movement out there, uh, Mothers Against Gun-Free Zones. And her name is Stutzman, and she says that, and she's absolutely correct when she says this. She says, looking at every mass shooting on record since 2009, one thing is clear. Gun-free zones don't protect, they endanger. The Crime Prevention Research Center released a report in 2014 showing that 92% of mass public shootings between January 2009 and July 2014 took place in gun-free zones. Have we become so politically correct that we are willing to ignore the facts to the detriment of our children's safety? End quote. Well, yes, Ms. Stutzman, absolutely. And I did a, a piece here, uh, oh, two, maybe three weeks ago, on what if it was uh, newsrooms and, and newspaper stu- uh, rooms and, and, and TV studios. What if they were the ones where gun-free zones and people walking in randomly shooting two or three or four reporters Actually, that's not a bad idea, but I digress. Uh, every other week or so, instead of children in schools, boy, you'd see a great difference in the reporting on gun-free zones then. Boy, really fast, wouldn't you? But nope, nope, nope. She, she's on track, but she just isn't quite completing the thought process there. But, this is, but it's good. It's a good track here. She explains that gun-free zones are places that are not only theoretically gun-free and or safe, that's all. There's just only theoretically. In reality, the very existence of such zones is an invitation for those with evil intentions who seek to attack the weak, she said. So she's urging mothers across the country to come together in Mothers Against Gun-Free Zones and to fight to remove the zones which leave children, young adults, teachers, and professors vulnerable to attack on campuses all over the nation. So, there you go, my friends. Someone who's actually speaking sense. Now, last two major stories I have here before we get into the rest of the show... By now, you probably have heard, and if you haven't, this will be uh, a heads up for you, about Ted Cruz's epic takedown of the media in that last debate on CNBC. But have you heard how it scored, how it polled? The Frank Luntz Group has been doing 20 years of studying of presidential debates, and Ted Cruz's takedown scored the highest in the 20-year history of the Frank Luntz Focus Group. Yes, that high, my friends. So if you watch that train wreck GOP debate put on by the liberal hacks over at CNBC, you most likely need a stiff drink or maybe some of that special Colorado brownies chased down by an entire bottle of Pepto-Bismol in order to get through the whole debacle. While the majority of the event was nothing more than spectacle, no fault of the candidates, this was all on the moderators. And actually calling them moderators is a misnomer because that implies that they're being moderate, which obviously that's the whole point they weren't. 
And one of the most epic moments in all debate history took place when Senator Ted Cruz completely annihilated the lamestream media and the hacks asking questions, air quotes around the word questions, in a brutal takedown that pretty much won him the debate. So, from that moment on, it became obvious the Cruz and the GOP candidates were in full control, and the others followed the Texas senator's lead in smashing the moderators whenever they started to get out of line. The debate was so impactful, so brilliant, so awesome, that it actually scored a 20-year high in the pollster Frank Luntz focus group. Uh, and, by the way, it also had interesting things like uh, audiences booing the moderators and hooraying for the the candidates who were attacking the moderators. They weren't attacking, they were just exposing the moderators, which was very interesting, whole sensation there, my friends. BizPack Review reports it this way. Frank Luntz saying, after running focus groups for nearly 20 years, I've never tested in any primary debate a line that scored as well as this. He said that it demonstrated what was wrong with both the CNBC moderators as well as the media. That special moment Lunt spoke of came during, of course, Ted Cruz's reply to a question. And here's what he said. Here's what Ted Cruz said. Remember, this was a response to a question. And he said, the questions that have been asked so far in this debate illustrate why the American people don't trust the media. How about talking about the substantive issues, end quote? Well, the graph indicated that both conservative and moderate Republicans gave Cruz's remarks as high as a 98 on a scale of 0 to 100. Boom. Cruz's remarks coupled with the response from the focus group, should send a rather loud and clear message, they won't be listening, but it should, to the lamestream media that Americans are tired of the disgusting liberal bias, the narrative pushing, the completely dishonest journalism taking place in big-time networks and news outlets. The Texas senators sparked the fire that ignited each candidate's passion for truth and fair reporting, and while encouraging them to rally around one another to go after the real enemy, the ones responsible for getting Obama elected years ago, the media. No doubt, lamestream networks are feeling a little salty, licking their wounds and ready to go on the attack and slam Cruz and the others every opportunity they're afforded. Well, good. Good. After that debate, just about everyone, even liberals, are sick and tired of this garbage and going harder after the candidates just reinforces the frustrating folks are feeling and will ultimately result in more hits for the lamestream media. It truly seems we're on the verge of a conservative revolution in this country. Sort of. We'll see, my friends. Now, related to that, if you haven't heard about this, and if, and if you have heard about it, or even if you haven't, and it surprises you, well, then you haven't been paying attention, my friends. It turns out, Surprise, 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 I'm doing it in my best Gomer Pyle imitation, that the CNN, oh crap, 
I just moved my arm in a wrong direction and hang on, I gotta get my focus back here. Okay, where was I? Oh yes. It turns out that the CNBC debate executive worked in the Clinton White House for Al Gore. Wow! Why is this just a shocker, my friends? Yes, the CNBC executive who oversaw that presidential debate, former Clinton and White House staffer, and of course, not a surprise, it's Breitbart News who dug this up and brings it to our attention. Brian Steele, Senior Vice President of Communications at CNBC, was the second highest ranking network official at Wednesday night's debate in Colorado after only after CNBC CEO Mark Hoffman. Steele was described by an insider as the quote-unquote executive on hand for the debate, which was marked by the moderator's partisan attacks and gotcha questions for the Republican candidates. Brian Steele worked in Bill Clinton's White House as a domestic policy advisor to Vice President Al Gore. His White House gig was just one of three jobs he held in the Clinton administration. He also worked in Clinton's Department of Justice, where he served as Deputy Assistant Attorney General for Policy Development, and also worked as the Associate Director for the Department's Office of Public Affairs. Steele told Breitbart News that he was involved in the planning of the debate and also executing public relations issues, but was not directly involved on the editorial side. Hmm. Steele is now tasked with defending the network's disastrous debate performance in the press. He said, quote, People who want to be president of the United States should be able to answer tough questions, he said on CNN and other outlets for stories about the failure of the night's moderators. Well, the CNBC moderators implied, among other things, that Donald Trump was a cartoon evildoer, and they grilled Ben Carson on his vetting process for giving a speech to a drug maker that made a product that he used himself, and generally annoyed all the candidates to the point where they started snapping back at the moderators. A CNBC moderator also falsely said that the debate was, quote, always, end quote, going to be two hours long, even though in reality, Trump and Ben Carson negotiated down from three hours to two. RNC chairman Rince Priebus has suspended the next NBC News-hosted Republican debate in protest over the CNBC-sponsored debacle. He said, quote, I'm very disappointed in the moderators. I'm disappointed in CNBC. That's what he said in the spin room after the debate finally ended. He went on and said, I think they would bring forward a pretty fair forum here tonight, but I think it was one gotcha question, one personal low blow after another, end quote. Mm-hmm. Um, Priebus also said, it's like they tried to design a Rubik's Cube for every question to take the worst element, I think, of what the moderators and what the media should bring to the table. And all I can tell you is that while I'm pretty much proud of our candidates for pretty much sticking together, I'm very disappointed in the moderators, and I'm very disappointed with CNBC, end quote. Well, my friends, 
this is all very well and good, and that they're they're doing this. However, I warn you, there's a bit of a dog and pony show going on here, in case you hadn't noticed. Let me remind you, if I may, after the very first debate, you remember the one where uh, uh, George Step on All of Us was in charge? Remember? Can I take your memory back to that? And how incensed and outraged the RNC was over how they were being treated by George Step on All of Us? And remember how they vowed that they have fixed it now? What happened to that fix it now? Hmm? Are you remembering this now, my friends? Yeah. So, like I said, in politics, nothing happens by accident. If it happens, you can bet it was planned that way. And who said that? Franklin Deficit Roosevelt. And he would know, wouldn't he? Uh Uh-huh. So, here we go. And then H.L. Mencken said, you know, the whole aim of practical politics is to keep people jumping at imaginary hobgoblins. It's not an exact quote, but that's close enough to what he said. But you, you get the idea of what's going on here. This whole thing is a dog and pony show meant to distract you from the real issues out there and it's it's doing a pretty good job in the, in the most part at least that's my point of view of the way I see it so maybe you might be seeing it that way too which is why you're listening to this show okay in addition to all the wonderful problems I've been having physically today, I had a software problem, a glitch, about half an hour before the show started, where I lost a big chunk of my records and discovered that somehow my autosave on, on Word had been set out to 10 minutes when I installed the new operating system. I had it set for only two minutes instead of ten minutes because of how fast I do rapid editing on the show newsletter needs to be set to where it doesn't auto-save every two minutes. Well, I lost a big chunk of work, so I have only eight links of interest for you and two stories that I also wanted to share with you. So let me get on the eight links of interest that I did manage to salvage. Number eight, for your security, it's This is for you, my friends, personally, for your security. After all, it seems that random flash drives are being left around, and the article is entitled, From Naked Security, that curious people can't resist plugging in random flash drives. And it seems that um, they went out and gathered a whole bunch of random flash drives and found that 60-plus percent of them had very interesting spyware or uh, other hacks, viruses, etc., embedded in them that were just waiting for you to plug it in and then infect your system with them. Mm-hmm. Number seven. Funny how the politicians, 
create the problems that they now want to fix, isn't it? Obama has announced plans to help formerly incarcerated people. Yeah, he he wants uh, to make it so that they can now get housing and and jobs when it was him and, and people like him that created the situation to where you couldn't get housing or jobs after coming uh, out of prison. I know it was very difficult for me to find housing where I did uh, and still is to this day. I, I, if I was to try and move from this apartment, it would be very difficult for me to find something because I'm a recent felon. So, uh, it's just, like I said, they create the problem and now they want to fix it and look so good in doing it. Of course, they look good in creating the problem in the first place. No matter what they do, they're trying to make themselves look better. Number six, you know, to truly, truly waste money, you need government. Afghan, or Afghanistan, now has a $43 $43 million gas station, a colossal waste of U.S. taxpayer money. Yep, we just built them a $43 million gas station. A gas station that if it had been built in this country, even with all the regulations and rules and prohibitions, etc., would have ran only $500,000, which is about $300,000 too much, in my humble opinion. But Nonetheless, it would only have been five hundred grand in in this in this country, but nope, in Afghanistan it's forty three million dollars. Wow! Number five, surprise, surprise, surprise. Oh, we have an instant message here. What do we got here? I didn't just notice this. What do we got here? Yeah, dogs and ponies. I wonder what the smell was. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the dog and pony shows of all this crapola going on. And that there you go. I just uh, gave you the clue of what the smell was. Crap. Anyway, number five. Surprise, surprise, surprise. Bet they never saw this one coming. Muslim nuclear power plant employee caught reading bomb-making manuals at work. Wow. Who would have thunk that would have happened? Uh-huh. Exactly. Number four, this, my friends, is a leading economic indicator, and it's going down. So you buckle up, because uh, it's going to be a bumpy ride here. Trucking is now suddenly slowing down. I reported to you last year about how it has been booming and booming and booming. Well, all of a sudden, it's slowing down. And the result of that slowdown in building trucks, building engines, uh, racking up fleets, etc., is now slowing way down. Hmm. And all the jobs associated with that, hmm. Like I say, leading economic indicator. Buckle up because that's what you're looking forward to. Number three, more evidence of price fixing, how the Saudis have blown up the fracking industry. And it's it's a lot of numbers, my friends, so obviously I had to put in links of interest because it is so much numbers that it's really hard to do numbers on the radio and make them make sense. So, But the article is right here. Number two, 
It's been said often that the poorest people in America are better off economically than the middle class in many other countries. And this article takes that point home using Sweden, since Bernie Sanders loves to bring it up as the benchmark. The article is, if Sweden became a United States state, it would be among the poorest of the states. In fact, if I remember reading the article correctly, it would be second from the bottom economically in the United States if Sweden was a country. That's how poor they are. And it's because of their tax structure, my friends. And uh, finally, number one, oops, I went too far. Finally, number one, I've been reporting the, on this to you for a while. And it's just further proof of the problem, again, from Breitbart. San Francisco's most beautiful spot is being filled with human waste. And by human waste, I mean exactly what you think I'm meaning, the kind that you need, you know, like toilet paper to clean up afterwards with, that kind of human waste. Yes, it's being filled up with it. So, yep, I... uh, I've been telling you about it, and it's just, like I say, further proof of the problem. Okay, critical thinking segment. From the Federalist Papers, this is a meme on how to respond to liberals who say they don't want to take your guns away. Well, here it is. When they go, you know, nobody's trying to take your guns, well, say say to them, oh, so you only want to make me register them, restrict transfers, ban certain guns, limit magazine capacity, prohibit carrying them, ban or limit ammo, make other arbitrary laws, and then when you catch me violating any of these made-up rules, then you throw me in prison, at which point then you take my guns. Is that the way it works? Hmm. Like I said, my friends, critical thinking piece. Okay, when we come back from the upcoming break, which is going to be here really soon, on the subject of guns, on the subject of personal safety and liberty, I'm going to revisit something that I did for you, oh, about three years ago on hopelophobia, the gun fear, the most dangerous of all phobias, my friends. And that will be our law school segment. And I won't be able to get through all of it, but I'll get through a good portion of it. And uh, you'll see why it's so relevant, especially in today's society. Because that's what we have, is a bunch of people out there with this irrational phobia. Okay, I was just checking out this noise out in the parking lot. we got some interesting activity going on out there, but it has nothing to do with this show. Anyway, gang, um, so that gives you time to, uh, you know, run to the bathroom and everything else so you can get out your notepads, etc., and take note of this because this is what's going on. And note the difference. Like I said, three years ago I shared this with you, and... Uh, Nothing's changed, my friends. Nothing has changed. You're listening to the Constitutional Crusader Show on the American Voice Radio Network. Don't you go anywhere. We will be right back.
Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. AVR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. Welcome back to the Constitutional Crusaders show on the American Voice Radio Network. I'm your host, M. Roy Ben Shadler, constitutional counselor, and still all around pain in the rear end to bureaucrats and petty thugs everywhere. I need to take another sip of my tea, so hang on a second here. I am drinking a, a turmeric and ginger uh, tea to help um, me deal with the pain that I'm having in my shoulder. And... Um, it's great in one respect, and it doesn't drug me up like, um, you know, over-the-counter pharmaceuticals do, but uh, it also has a, a side effect, which is great if I want to try and get some sleep, and that is it makes you drowsy, but the problem is I don't want sleep right now. I want to try and stay awake, so <laughs> everything has a drawback, my friends. Okay, 
This is the segment of the show that we call the Roy's School of Guerrilla Lawfare. That's L-A-W, for learn and win through a better education. We turn off the phones, we turn off the instant messengers, and we, we settle in on a subject and we explore it deeply and uh, with great attention to detail because, well, it's important that way. And this week, like I said uh, before the break, this is something that I shared with you just about three years ago my friends and it's entitled hopelophobia gun fear the most dangerous of all phobias this is by Bruce N. Emer PhD and Alan Corwin author of gun laws in America abstract so let's get right into it abstract hopelophobia the morbid fear of guns is a real extremely dangerous, widespread, and clinically recognizable complex specific phobia with a number of unique characteristics. It has caused and continues to cause grievous harm in America. Dr. Sarah Thompson, medical doctor and author of two seminal papers on gun phobia, claims hopelophobia is little more than name-calling and rare. These are points that we dispute because one of the avoidance mechanisms of this phobia uniquely involves politics. Its effects and importance are greater than for other phobias. Comorbidities include suppressed rage, post-traumatic stress disorder, delusional disorder, and panic disorder with implications for for society at large. Some behaviors heretofore written off because they seemed irrational may be explained. A battle is currently raging over the causes and consequences of an extreme fear of guns and whether or not it constitutes the mental condition known as hopelophobia. The questions raised include, is this a serious psychological condition? Is it a true phobia? To what degree does it affect individuals, especially people who claim to hate guns? And finally, how prevalent is this condition in the general population? Do those who work vigorously to ban guns or deny other people's rights, gun rights, labor under a fairly common mental disorder or disability? Are they afflicted by hopelophobia? Do they project their own fears, self-distrust, and pent-up anger onto others, as some professionals claim? Do they displace inner rage and mental anguish into the political arena, a potentially unique phobic criteria absent in existing medical literature? Does this dynamic color the politics of guns and threaten the continued existence of the Second Amendment? One thing is clear. 
It would be beneficial to address these concerns with a great deal more scrutiny than they have received thus far, especially from psychiatric and psychological perspectives. There is no rational reason to continue to avoid or evade the subject. The problem, our research, oh, my friends, before anyone out there thinks that I'm just doing sarcasm, no. No, this is not sarcasm. I am being dead serious here about this subject. I don't need sarcasm to be serious about this subject, okay? So, back on to it. The problem. Our research indicates that hopelophobia is a real extremely dangerous, widespread, and clinically recognizable complex-specific phobia that meets most but not all of the gauges the American Psychiatric Association and medical community has set out for phobias for reasons we will examine. We will demonstrate that hopelophobia actually falls into its own category of anxiety and phobic disorders. We will offer an explanation for why its prevalence has been ignored, the unique parameters of this specific complex phobia explain some of the formerly inexplicable features of the gun debate in the United States, as well as certain of the irrational behaviors of people on the anti-gun rights side of the national debate. Hopelophobia has caused and continues to cause grievous harm in America. Large swaths of the public and medical community are in denial about the pernicious effects and pandemic nature of this malady. Some of what we deal with in the public arena as politics is instead a manifestation of this psychiatric condition. Additionally, it is our thesis that politics and the media-driven ideation contribute to the genesis and proliferation of hopelophobia. Here's some background on our researchers. Dr. Sarah Thompson, medical doctor, a psychiatrist and former executive director of the Utah Gun Owners Alliance, is the author of two seminal papers that literally set the stage for examining the links between mental health and gun politics. She dislikes the term hopelophobia and currently claims in correspondence with us it is little more than name-calling and not a true psychiatric condition or it exists at all is or if it exists at all excuse me is extremely limited in nature Colonel Jeff Cooper known widely and revered within the firearms community as the father of the modern technique of shooting, originally coined the term hopelophobia in 1966. A fascinating neologic history we will explore in a future article. Dr. Thompson's first paper, Raging Against Self-Defense, published in 2000, and her second, an illustrated booklet in 2001, Do Gun Prohibitionists Have a Mental Problem? were both published by the late Aaron Zellman, founder of the organization 
Jews for the Preservation of Firearms Ownership, a Wisconsin-based civil rights group. We can only speculate. As to the underlying reasons for Dr. Thompson's recent backpedaling, since her papers do not square well with her current reluctance to acknowledge the existence, prevalence, and consequences of hopelophobia by any name, or with what we believe is obvious, but she holds fast to her position. Dr. Thompson is not alone in her apparent reluctance, as the medical and mental health professional communities are, by and largely, vigorously anti-gun, a fact that is not under dispute. Many doctors are guilty of boundary violations when they do when they, with some frequency, inject anti-gun political opinions or content into their clinical work as health care providers. It is our assertion that this constitutes several serious ethical violations, including at least mixing politics and health care, violating the requirement to be a value neutral in the practice of medicine and psychiatry or psychology and practicing outside one's recognized field of expertise, driven by a questionable, zealous desire to ban firearms, many doctors are known to use their medical credentials in an attempt to validate the legitimacy of the agenda, typically referred to as gun control. The other side of the political spectrum refers to the same agenda as rights denial, reflecting its inherently political and not medical nature. The degree to which this occurs approaches the bizarre, with some in the medical community and even the Federal Centers for Disease Control at different times attempting to portray gun ownership and violence as diseases that can be cured and guns themselves as pathogens or germs. Patently absurd, this borders on irrational, a word we do not use lightly in the context of our study. What forces could drive medical professionals to act so far outside, I, pro, I apologize, far outside the boundaries of their practices and expertise? We see this as potentially a tangential symptom and consequence of hopelophobic behavior. At the very least, it shows a concern with political allegiance and desire for social acceptance that intrudes upon a patient's welfare and the practice of medicine. In our opinion, the medical establishment needs to step back a bit and examine itself with regards to its position and political activism on this issue. We suspect it may resist this su suggestion. Of course, I have to inject and say, gee, what would ever give them that idea that they would reject that? You know, like, duh. Uh, now, where was I? Dr. Thompson never actually embraced the term hoplophobia in her two original papers, preferring gunphobia instead. She described 
afflicted peoples filled with rage and out of touch with the realities of responsible gun ownership or the fundamental rights to self-defense and balance of power the Second Amendment was written to protect. She goes into some details on this. We will demonstrate how hoplophobia, by any name, fits seamlessly into the category of complex, specific phobias with features of an accompanying delusional disorder in certain cases, along with some crucial additional features. But, to get started, let's look at the nature of phobias. Technically, a phobia is an extreme, irrational, overwhelming, or or not or and disabling fear of an activity, situation, place, item, or object. Example, a living thing or inanimate object. The American Psychiatric Association's evolving series of diagnostic and statistic manuals for diagnosing mental and emotional disorders, i.e. the DSM, is the Bible of the Mental Health and Psychiatric Disorders, and it defines five types of specific phobias as extreme fears of specific animals, natural environmental occurrences such as fear of heights, storms, and being near water, blood, injections, and injuries, specific situations such as driving, flying, elevators, and enclosed spaces. And finally, miscellaneous items or occurrences such as choking or vomiting after eating specific foods or food in general, balloons bursting, loud sounds, clowns, ladies in red dresses, etc. Researchers at the National Institutes of Health have concluded that specific phobias are highly prevalent and disabling psychological disorders in the United States adult population and that they have frequent comorbidities. Based on 30 years of clinical experience as a psychologist, Dr. Eimer has found the NIH conclusions to be correct in every respect. NIH is National Institute of Health, okay? Those are the specific phobia types. Hang on, I need another sip of tea. I'm getting a little dry here. So, those are the specific phobia types. What makes a phobia complex is when it is difficult, if not impossible, to avoid the feared object or situation or aspects of them. And the feared object or situation is typically not just an item, but rather a process that incorporates interactions of different phobic objects, situations, events, and experiences over time. The incessant focus on firearms in popular culture, especially in a fear-filled negative light, exacerbates this for a significant portion of the public, in our view. Even a cursory review of pop culture shows this has increased dramatically in recent decades. An example of complex phobia is readily seen in people afraid of flying, 
It's called aerophobia. There are specific differences in the core components of their underlying anxieties. Some are claustrophobic and cannot stand being confined in a flying tube. Others suffer fear that the tube will fall out of the sky and they will meet with a violent death when the plane crashes, while still others fear being burned alive if the plane crashes. In fact, many aerophobes fear all of the above and more. This multiplicity of underlying fears is characteristic of a complex phobia. So, how does hopelophobia manifest? Well, hopelophobia presents as an unusually complex phobia with a multitude of sub or component fears intersecting in people with the condition. Plus, a striking anomaly. That anomaly, a poorly understood simultaneous linkage and disconnect, exists in their contrasting perceptions and feelings about armed authority figures and firearms outside the control of armed or of authority fi- figures. This disconnect or comfortable dissonance A true anomaly and contradiction remains to be examined, along with how it mitigates or exacerbates the reaction for many sufferers. In other words, for this group, police with guns are fine, even welcomed, while the public with guns is a source of terror. That connection with authority figures is a unique characteristic of the disorder. Outside this insular authority envelope, the complexities include fear of what they themselves might do, i.e. crack, if they were ever near a real gun, fear of what others with a gun might do, fear that a gun could go off all by itself, Fear that a gun could make them or other people who have one in their possession go crazy. And that even proximity could cause such a reaction. Some hopelophobes fear that possession would lead them to being perceived as a murderer. Or lead to their being attacked, being disarmed and shot with their own gun, killed or crippled, etc. A host of fantasies swirl in the hopelophobe's mind. Clearly, hopelophobia is a complex phobia that falls into the DSM's blood injections and injuries category of specific phobias. In a forthcoming paper, we will look at what goes into the DSM, what is kept out, the financial, political, and medical issues surrounding how these decisions are made, the role of the DSM in prescribing medications for psychiatric purposes, insurance company billing practices based on the DSM, and the startling growth of DSM-based diagnosis, especially in children, in the U.S. as compared with other countries. The new fifth edition of the DSM is set for release soon. Okay, now, my friends, uh, when I read this, it was set for release. It has since been released a long time ago. Uh, So, anyway, hopelophobia will not appear in it. Some remarkably arcane and controversial, critics would say fabricated, disorders will appear, however. 
So, why is hopeleophobia so dangerous? Well, complex phobias, in the, gre- the degree to which they disable the afflicted person, socially, interpersonally, vocationally, and personally, Often the effect of one person's complex phobia extends to the people around them. This appears to be more frequent the case when the phobia has to do with guns than with other phobias, as for example, aquaphobia, a fear of water, or aerophobia, the fear of planes. If this tendency for one person is to be somewhat affected by another person's phobia were to be exploited politically, it would exacerbate issues in the national debate over the right to keep and bear arms. Hopelophobia is far and away the most dangerous of all the phobias because of its unique nexus to political action. Because it suffers out, it, it suf, its sufferers act out their fears in the political arena because it represents a significant and underappreciated threat to the nation. All phobias are reinforced and maintained through the mechanism of avoidance of the anxiety and panic triggered by the fear object or situation. In other words, the condition perpetuates and festers by the afflicted person's reluctance to confront the underlying fear. It is our contention that hopelophobia is far and away the most dangerous of all phobias because of its unique nexus to political action which serves as its primary, though not only, defensive avoidance mechanism and reinforcer. Now I have to stop here for a second, my friends, and remind you, this is not sarcasm. This is not The Onion or some other such publication. This is a real, serious, credible look at this problem here, my friends. The reason that it sounds so much like an Onion article or satire piece is because of the reluctance of the powers that be and the way that the article is approaching it in a very serious fashion that the powers that be can only conclude that this must be sarcasm and that it's really just a satire piece. It can be the only logical explanation in their minds. That's why it sounds so different, my friends. They go on, and we got just a few more minutes. We'll see how much further we can get on here. It is our thesis... That hopelophobia appears to be the only phobia known with such socially detrimental, large-scale, wide-reaching avoidance mechanism. Because sufferers act out their fears in the political arena, it represents a significant and underappreciated threat to the nation. This means the effects of hopelophobia are not innocuous like for example, the effects of 
aquaphobia on people who simply buy homes without swimming pools. Their phobia has negative effect on anyone but themselves and perhaps pool builders. It seems that hopophobes, on the other hand, sometimes also suffering from comorbidities such as PTSD and other psychiatric conditions work collectively to fashion national legislation that can compromise the Constitution and human freedom itself. If we are correct and psychology is predictive at all, we can expect vigorous denials, personal attacks, and every classic defense mechanism described in the medical and psychiatric literature to what we have uncovered and exposed with this series of papers and our unfunded research. My friends, it happened, and I reported on it to you over the past couple of years. But anyway, I digress. We would offer in return desensitization and the full palette of APA evidence-based treatments for addressing this inherent and insidious confluence of problems, approaches with which we believe, or at least would hope, Dr. Thompson and professionals like her would agree. So, what needs to be done? We would ask, in a measured and empirical way, how much of what you think of as the political gun debate boils down to psychological defense mechanisms, such as repression, denial, projection, avoidance, and displacement. Yes, well, there we go, my friends. So I got less than halfway through it, but you get the idea. You're listening to the Constitutional Crusaders show. Well, actually, this is the end of the Constitutional Crusaders show on the American Voice Radio Network. Until next week, my friends, unless the creek rises or they come and take me away again, my fellow Americans, keep your powder dry. heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 